Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm totally not putting Rotten Tomatoes on trial. No, 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 I'm totally not being the guy to to point the finger and say you did something wrong. But, you know, when you change the the, the way the, the critical consensus is gathered, oh, hey, it looks like the movie's at 80%. Guess we're certifying it fresh. Oh, hey, the critic consensus, oh, this is a, it's a wonderful movie. Oh, hey, where's it at now? It's at 66%. Oh, do we have to change the critics' consensus? Fix your system, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> also, you're owned by Warner Brothers, so... Not only is Warner Brothers killing theaters, they are also killing online discourse and critical discussion. I mean, Alex. <laughs> well, this podcast, this critical discussion has no time to die. I'm Britain. At least you brought it up before I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2020. We got it's, it's, it's our New Year's special. We got to get one more in. That's fair. Alex, I think that's the closest we've ever come to like having an angry youtuber who puts up like four hour four hour videos ranting about various uh unsavory topics Uh, i think that's the closest we've come to that look i i know how rotten tomatoes formulates the critical scores is is a hot button political item especially in 2020 (laughs) but i just had to get on my soapbox (laughs) the little picture next to our our podcast episode in your uh rss feeds is gonna be like this really colorful neon green background with like the Rotten Tomatoes logo and Alex like staring at it and grimacing. (laughs) (laughs) And then there'll be me in the background shrugging, but my body is Goku from Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes, epic fail. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. End end of cinema? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And it's just got like, the first several digits of pi. It's got E equals yeah, MC yeah. squared yeah, yeah, in the yeah. background. <laughs> sure, sure. And um, also the annoying orange is there. Yes. I'm not actually that angry about it. I just found it fascinating it is, as I was keeping no, it is track pretty, of the scores. It is pretty strange that they, they, they screwed it up that badly. Well, because like, um, like I... I I don't know if the scores that I have on the score sheet are going to be accurate in a couple of days. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> um, how dare they? How dare they undermine the integrity of our store, score sheet? Uh, we are the movie we are talking about, and the movie that is the cause of this uh, major controversy. Apparently, <laughs> is Wonder Woman. So, is it Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Is the full title? Yes, I've yes. seen it abbreviated every which way because, like, there's multiple different parts that you can you can break down. Well, even on the poster, um, it says it's just WW eighty four. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. Whatever it may be the case, what are the what are the scores as of right now for WW eighty four? Also, happy New Year, everybody! This is our New Year special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's get some joy in here before the anger and, just takes over. <laughs> and we should specify the reason we're doing this as the New Year special. I, I mean, we it's been a while because of twenty twenty since we've had a catch up episode. Yeah. Um, technically, I think we should have done the New Mutants by now. But I, you know what? I. All right, I, I'm the resident Foxman like fanboy here. I do not care. I we, just we will, don't care. We will do it at some point. Yes, we will do I, it. It's just going to be a hard, hard sell whenever we especially get there. New, new Year, New Mutant. Especially because it's not on anything, so it's like we never. Oh, it's it? one of those. I don't think so. I think it's only for rental, basically. Oh, I thought Disney uh, Plus put it out. Okay. Mm-mm. I think that was like not connected to the. Okay. Uh, 
deal or whatever, like because there is already a contract in place. I want to say yeah. I could be wrong. Well, that's okay. why they we'll had to release it. it in theaters, but that's a whole other yeah. conversation. Um, so anyway, we did back in uh, 2017, uh, just off the cuff decide uh, this was pre-Britain, I believe, or at least uh, it was in the middle. Yeah, mid mid <laughs> the the middle non-Britain era. Um, mid Britain hiatus. Yes. Uh, we, uh, Alex and I did Wonder Woman and the 2017 Justice League film, uh, as, uh, our New Year's special because Wonder Woman had been out and we did not feel like waiting for Justice League to come out on a home release or whatever. It, it did not um, deserve the level of respect to watch it more than once, even though Tyler did watch it correct. more than once. I and, did watch it. And watch it at home to have the time to kind of <laughs> dissect it and discuss our thoughts. I may have contributed more to the profit of that film than any other human on the planet. Um, <laughs> so, there was probably another point I was going to make at some point in there. Uh, but we are talking about Wonder Woman... 1984 it's on hbo max we were we felt comfortable being able to like watch it and get a good feel for it outside of the theater experience and uh that's a whole nother conversation yeah so (laughs) anyway scores for for ww 1984 yep uh so wonder woman 1984 uh from 2020 directed by patty jenkins at this point it has a 66 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 72 percent audience score Hmm. um it's got several hundred critic reviews, so I, I don't imagine it'll be changing that much, but who knows? <laughs> I am curious if that has anything. How many total reviews? 287 at the time that I am looking Cause at Because I think that's higher than movies normally get up to this point. Yeah. And I'm curious if that was like, if there's something to do with the fact that everyone jumped in uh because they they saw a movie that was released in 2020 that they could actually watch and that everyone you know was kind of getting into the discourse on that's possible Uh, i also want to pull out the cynical side of my brain because apparently warner brothers has manipulated scores before i think they did that with like one of the annabelle movies where they had like advanced screenings ahead of time so it had an inflated like 100 percent score for like two weeks before it was released and then after that, all the the other reviews came out, and it dropped dramatically. So sure. I wouldn't put it past Warner Brothers if this was some weird uh, manipulation of the scores. Um, Who got it first and everything? Yeah, that's look, very possible. I, I I know I'm I'm always the one saying that Warner Brothers is the worst studio, but um, I think uh, the past uh, couple of months have just cemented that. Anyways. Sure. <laughs> It's weird that seeing Annabelle early would cause you to give it 100%. No, I think they targeted specific people that they, they sent early screens uh, to. I think that's they, the idea. They targeted all those Annabelle mega fans right Well, there. like, if you go in and look at, the, at certain critics and you're like, okay, so they gave a positive review to, like, every Conjuring movie and every spinoff oh, we've done so far. Okay. Let's send them an early screener. So that way they'll So, inflate. like, Harry Knowles. Sure. <laughs> uh, film critic Hulk Smash. Stuff like that. <laughs> we got this covered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so who wants Bloody to get started? Though. IGN. Um, uh, ooh. I am go. going first because I am staking my claim on Pedro Pascal as the best thing. I don't know if either of you were planning on doing that, but uh, mm-hmm. I I just wanted to make sure that that locked in um, because I found him delightful. He is tearing up the the screen 
he's just like that, that was supposed to be some sort of reference to chewing up the screen i don't know <laughs> uh i'm tired it's the holidays we're, we're gonna we're gonna get a little weird here it's fine um <laughs> no he is just completely over the top um in a wide array of emotions uh lots of just like furious shouting lots of very dramatic sadness um he looks creepy a lot early on and gets gets to be like a um a bit of a weirdo it's it's good it's fun times i i really like at the end when he's screaming into this uh giant blue laser uh as is required for all dc movies um and I, I think that's a lot of fun when he's just like shouting all this stuff over the the sound of the wind and responding to Wonder Woman. I, I really like what he's doing there, uh, completely devoid of whatever the script is doing or like anything else. I think he's a ton of fun of this. Um, uh, as far as my worst thing, <laughs> um, your, your the whole octave of your voice dropped. <laughs> uh, Rip off that band aid. <laughs> Uh, I see. I jumped too. I jumped too fast because I was like, I got to get on Pedro Pascal because he was the the one thing I was excited about. And then <laughs> now I've run out of steam. Um, I think for me it would have to be the fact that the movie, not that it's unrealistic. I guess because, like, obviously, all these movies are. That's not, you know, like superhero movies. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want them all to look like Man of Steel, uh, because apparently, Man of Steel is supposed to be our, our grounded version. I guess Batman Begins would be a better example. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff in this movie that just does not feel human in the way that people react to situations and the way that people approach situations. Um, the very first thing for me was the, uh, the guys who are trying to rob some black market <laughs> store <laughs> in the awesome. mall. And one of them just grabs a small child. He does not have a gun. He's not like holding her hostage. He just grabs this child, lifts her over railing, <laughs> And I'm not sure if I entirely understood what happened at this point. Does he accidentally drop her, or does he just, like, no, I'm going Wonder to drop Woman this child? Wonder Woman comes in and, like, swings in and grabs her. Right, but he drops her first. He drops the child. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't she, remember like, why he does that. I think it's just he's like, this is going to be good for my situation. I'm going to, yeah. this is going to improve where I'm at right now. Because um, he just grabs this child and uh, dangles her over a mall <laughs> railing and drops her. And then Wonder Woman comes in and saves her, and it's like, wait... <laughs> What? Yeah. Why? No, Are it is we? it is an ins- it is an insane moment because there's like nine robbers at different locations yeah. in the mall, and then they all have these not all but like the leader looks like um like he should be in like, like he I was, looks like I was gonna if say a guy in an eighties pop band was now I <laughs> like was gonna say he, to be. he looks like he should be in like a Metal Gear game, um, which I think <laughs> sure, sure, tracks yeah. for your description too. Yeah. <laughs> And and then the, this random guy, he runs out, drops his gun because I guess he was just like holding Whoa. it by the barrel, I guess. <laughs> and then a woman screams, "Gun!" And he does like, "Oh!" And then all the other guys scatter, and he's like, "I'm just gonna kill this kid." <laughs> and then all of the other robbers are like, "Don't do it, man! Don't do it!" And he keeps <laughs> the guy keeps yelling, "I can't go back! It's... I'm not going back!" <laughs> 
It is not a logical setup. It is um, so silly. And there's a, like there's various. I, we can. I don't want to like pinpoint every single thing. Um, I think a lot of the stuff in the Egypt section gets weird, and I don't yeah. entirely know what's happening for plot plot wise, and also how Wonder Woman like is saving how how she is able to save the children um, that are playing in the road because there's like a whole thing. Where it, it looks like for a second Chris Pine is about to shoot the children with a missile, uh, and then the physics just get really weird, and then she saves them. And there's some like bad CGI in there. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I don't. I'm not like concerned with realism per se in in the film, right. but there's just a lot of stuff that's like, oh, if if that can happen, or if this is like how people act in this world, I don't. It's very very hard for me to get immersed or like care about the stakes well i I don't know that i think it 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 matters in terms of like to your point like the levels of the stakes because like when things do get serious and and you know basically the threat at the end is nuclear holocaust Mm -hmm. um then it's like well i need people to be acting at least somewhat like people to in order to buy it and to have some sort of emotional investment because i i i was noticing that throughout the entire movie and not just from like secondary characters even our main characters were just doing things where i'm like i don't i don't understand the motivation behind the action you just took there and that was like the whole movie was scattershot yeah, yeah. in terms of that yeah yeah <laughs> britain you liked the movie the most uh <laughs> i did well, I, yeah i liked it we'll a do lot. a negativity sandwich <laughs> no uh pr- so so because i wasn't on we did wonder woman um, I'll just quickly say I, I have seen it. I saw it when it came out and haven't seen it since. So it's been like three years. We saw think, it in the roughly. theater together. We did. We did. Um, and there was a corgi next to me, I think. <laughs> there was. There was a corgi was. in the theater. Context, well who made. needs it? Anyways. <laughs> but uh, I, I haven't seen it since then. And so I, I remember it, but not but piecemeal. Uh, you know, I, I really can't tell you much about it now. And so pretty quickly I was like, I'm just going to have to watch this movie, like remembering what I remember about the first one and ultimately just seeing it as its own experience. Um, pretty quickly I bought into the movie as, oh, this is, this is just going to be entertaining, like kind of dumb, but just fun. Like I'm not supposed to take this Super. Or I don't know what the movie wants me to take seriously. I am not going to take this too seriously sure. from like a character perspective, or from like even necessarily a narrative perspective. I just want to see if I'm having fun, uh, scene to scene. And by and large, I did. Um, and so like that whole sequence with the 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 crazy robbers like was ridiculous. And I don't know if it if like Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns and the other guy who wrote the script were like, this is gonna be ridiculous. This is awesome. Let's lean into this. Or if they just lost the plot a little bit sure. with that, with, with with that scene specifically. Um, so I, either way, I found it very entertaining. <laughs> like I was very entertained through. I'm going to say 80 percent of the movie, uh, maybe even more than that. But uh, so I'm going to say that my best thing about it, and I have I have multiple things I could choose as my best, but I'm going to go with just the visuals of it. Not necessarily <laughs> the CGI. It's just it's there, but. I love the way it looks. It's such a bright, vibrant, colorful movie 
that I re- like j- the, that opening sequence on the mascara is so like the water is so electric blue and these the, the trees are so green like the movie is consistently until the end very pretty to look at and I really liked that and and I I liked the birds of prey was colorful but because birds of prey was still breaking up with Suicide Squad, it had to have that, like, grimy gray yeah. underneath everything. Yeah. Um, which I think Birds of Prey ultimately worked as a visual experience, but... Yeah. This one, I, I loved looking at it. I loved the way everything was designed. I loved that it was all, like, this exaggerated version of the 80s, and I was like, oh, we're just... This is, like... The whole movie kind of felt to me like a late 90s, early aughts superhero movie <laughs> if I was having more fun <laughs> during one of those. Um, and... Uh, I, the, I, I, it was, it was nice to watch a DC movie that was like, no, we're colorful and, and we're also bright. Yeah. <laughs> we're not just using blue I, and pink. Like we are really leaning into this. I think, uh, cause we had been talking about this a little bit. I think it, you know, putting aside everything that we might get into throughout this podcast, um, just looking at the overall fact that DC now has like, I think three movies that are pretty tonally consistent yeah. between this and Aquaman and Shazam. Um, that's like okay it's it doesn't it doesn't quite feel like a marvel movie i know for a lot of like people who are who don't take superhero movies as seriously they're probably like ah they're all the same um as for us for who for whatever reason take these pretty seriously and and try to like apply a real critical lens to them um because we are that's i i paid for justice league twice okay just (laughs) leave me alone um i think that there is a like tonal distinction that is different from like a general, you know, a phase one Marvel movie. Sure. And I think they were finally starting to establish something here um, that is actually going to continue to track unless they completely change course again after Wonder Woman 84, because they are just incredibly reactionary to <laughs> whatever is, whatever the response is to a particular movie. Um, but if nothing else, that's how, like, the MCU got started. The MCU got started by being like, these movies are honestly not always going to be very good. Um, I would say, like, a solid... 50% might be generous. Um, it might be more. Uh, <laughs> of the movies are just straight mediocre. Uh, especially very early on. But they continue to, like, create experiences that people are like, oh, this is kind of fun. Um and and they were able to keep coming back because they knew what they, people knew what they were getting into with the Marvel movie, and then they were able to kind of play off that formula and do more and more. Um, and I think that's where they've got to start. And so, like, for whatever we're going to say, because we're probably going to have a lot of criticism of this, I do appreciate that, and, and I agree with you, Britain. Yeah. Uh, I think the movie, the style and look of the movie is, like, is pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels like, because I remember we were talking about this with Aquaman, that because Zack Snyder set such a specific visual precedent mm-hmm. with those early movies, it's taking us until now where the movies can not look like that, but it doesn't feel out of sync. Yeah. Um, and I think like Shazam did, and, and Shazam is also only as much of a DCEU movie as they decided it is later, <laughs> I guess. But um, it is but an I, Annabelle movie. <laughs> that's true. Exactly. Exactly. And that this one is now like, you know, whatever. It takes place before the other DC movies. Whatever. It, it looks like it looks like this now. Um, I will say my worst thing, if I also have a couple of things I could choose for that, I'm going to say that it's... I don't know why 
they set it in the 80s. <laughs> and, and But what I mean by that is I feel like there were two things that they could have done. And, and I think two things that they kind of tried to do. One, the 80s are hot right now. 80s references are hot right now because that's the generation of people that are making movies. Right. Stranger Things. Um, we, we've talked about uh, before on this podcast about all the 80s references and like Bumblebee and Pitch Perfect and stuff like that. Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. I mean, the entire show, the Goldbergs. <laughs> like, the, the, it's, it's, it's a thing right now. Just like the 90s will be later and so on and so forth. But they don't... Because, Tyler, we, we had talked about the 80s references in the movie. This movie went, had a lot more restraint on the 80s jokes than I... Compared to what I was expecting. Mm. Meaning there weren't a ton of, like, needle drop 80s pop tunes that, like... Why are they playing Wang Chung? Well, I guess that's <laughs> just what we're doing right now. Um, and I was like, I was expecting maybe not this specific joke, but for someone to be like, you hear they're making a movie called Back to the Future? That doesn't make any sense. No one's going to see that. <laughs> and, like, they didn't do any of that. There's, like, stylistic jokes, yeah. and there's stuff about uh, uh, Chris Pine not understanding, which we'll, which we'll get to, but, like, they don't really lean into a, a whole lot on that element. Which I liked, but it still felt odd. But the other thing is, you you the, the the commentary of the '80s being all about greed and excess. You can draw a straight line from that to today. Like that is that is such a clear commentary, and they kind of make it, but not really. I felt the same way as as with X Men Apocalypse, sure, um, yeah, which is also set in the '80s, where I was just like. But why are you set in the eighties? Like yeah. to your point, that that movie also is just like Apocalypse is upset about eighties greed and consumerism, which is why he feels right. the need that he need he has to take over the world again. And it's like, but yeah, I, and and this embrace one, like, the eighties a bit more. And this one has a lot of like Pedro Pascal saying like you can have whatever you want, and like his greed is what drives him to his own destruction. Yeah. And I understand that, but it feels like if you're choosing, like, Reagan-era politics and that social thing, or that social environment, you are you trying to comment on the current social environment? Because you can totally do that, but you also aren't really, but you kind of are. So by the end of it, I was like, and this is also not a, a again, to go compared to the MCU, the MCU, for better or worse, has a very strict sense of, like, we know where all these movies are taking place and why this one has to come out before this one and what the timeline is and how these characters are affecting each other and why, like, we're putting everything on hold because we got to show Black Widow first. Like, mm-hmm. we understand why we're doing that. And the DC movies are kind of like, we're just, it's this now. I don't, I don't sense that they have a master plan right. akin to what uh, Feige and all of them have. And so I, I, I don't know that they were like, well, this movie has to take place you know, 35 to 40 years before uh, uh, BVS or whatever. Yeah. Um, or it has to be 70 years from the first one. Like, I don't I don't know if it was a timeline thing or if they were just like, the 80s are hot right now, but they don't seem to be capitalizing on the things about that, which I liked, but it still felt weird. Yeah. That, I think, it very much feels like, very early on, um, maybe Patty Jenkins was like, here's what I'd like to do with Wonder Woman. You know, we want to do yeah. uh, some... Uh, maybe Maxwell Lord, maybe Cheetah. Maybe they they had those guys already pegged out for what they wanted to take the make the plot of the movie go towards. 
Um, and someone somewhere, and maybe it was Patty Jenkins, was like, but also the 80s are hot right now. So yeah. we should set them in the 80s, and they never figured out why they were doing that. Sure. I, I think that's, yeah, absolutely may, a thing. May I also throw out the, the potential option of Patty Jenkins going, well, I don't want to do something modern day yet. One of the cool things about the first one was it was a period piece. So let's do another True. period piece. And then one of the executives at Warner Brothers was like, do the 80s. Sure. True. Yeah, also yeah. possible. Yeah, and, and they could have gone like, oh, Maxwell Lord. Oh, that character could work really well in the 80s or vice yeah. versa. The 80s, oh, we could use Maxwell Lord. Like, there's a lot of – none of us were in the room. Yeah. But um, – Which, but, to but, that yeah. point, I almost feel like it would have been more effective because the 80s still, for a lot of people watching this movie, don't feel that far away. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> I, I think – Like me. <laughs> sure. Um, like, even I don't really think of it, and I was – uh, not born yet. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't really think I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, cause I, I think a lot of people, once they get to, you know, graduating high school and stuff, that's kind of cementing where, uh, they tend to like, think about things. Then of course you see the post on Facebook, like X, X happened 20 years ago. Do you feel old yet? Um, I think that for a lot of people watching the movie is like the two thousands. And so it's like, Oh, that was like what? 20, 30 years ago. That's not like, it, it's very hard to make the eighties feel like a period piece unless you're going hard <laughs> on to, right. I think, I mean, talking about back to the future, I think the sixties would have been a stronger yeah. uh, effect. Like, I think that would have made it a little more stark because it still feels like a period piece. And it still feels like they can do a lot of fun stuff with that. Um, and have it be sort of nostalgic to a simpler era or something like that. Um, yeah, it, I think it's a weird choice, and I I feel like a lot of it is driven by the fact that that's just what's in for nostalgia right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I really don't mind the way they handled it comedically, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But it it ultimately just felt like you. I feel like you could do this same basic story without the eighties. Yeah. And maybe without Chris Pine. Alex. <laughs> um, without Steve Trevor. Without Steve Trevor. I love Chris Pine. Sure. I, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll address the elephant in the room. I, I didn't like the movie very much. Um, I liked maybe <laughs> the first 20 minutes okay. And then it took a steep, steep nosedive. Um, I think a lot of the choices made in the movie are flat out baffling. Um, I can't tell if the movie is trying too hard or everybody writing it was extra lazy. Um, it feels very derivative of a lot of different superhero movies, and it feels like the people – once again, I'm, I'm stuck between like I don't know if they just like watched a whole bunch of superhero movies and were like cut and paste this, cut and paste this, or if it's like you just didn't watch them so you can't learn from their mistakes. Um, I, I was noting while I was watching it because I did see – like in the mall sequence, it's like, oh, this is like super goofy and, and super poppy and whatnot. I was like, Sky High has more thematic depth than this movie. <laughs> like I had that realization like 45 minutes in um, and I just found that amusing. Um, I, 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 I think I'll just double down on, on what Britton said for the, the best thing. Um, I, I do like that the movie's bright um, and colorful. Uh, the DCEU desperately needs that. Um, and I think even, you know, like the Marvel movies are, are kind of, you know, brighter in color palette, but this one like fully embraces like, no, we're Mm -hmm. bright, like super colorful movie. And, and just, you know, between 
having more action scenes in daylight, which I think helps quite a bit. But even just yeah. like when when they're flying around in the the fighter jet, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and that firework sequence might be my favorite sequence of the entire film. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so yeah, I, I just appreciated that, and it, it helped to really. Given that the story and a lot of the character stuff for me didn't help to like elevate the movie at all, that was the one thing where I was like, okay, that that separates it from the rest, the pack of superhero movies that we have. Like, oh, this movie has like a completely unique color palette, mm-hmm. um, and I really wish that more superhero movies would take that on. Black Widow, <laughs> take that movie we haven't seen yet. I just look at the trailer and I'm like, it looks like other Marvel movies and whatever. Um, Well, and I, and I think that is a fair, like, that is the one thing that I think this movie does better than a lot of other DC movies is like, yeah, I think even it is genuinely striking at times. Even Shazam, which is like a flat out comedy. I feel like it doesn't have, it, it, it doesn't have this bright a color palette. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and we remember talking about this, like that color palette almost felt more like a joke. Like, they were choosing that dreary color palette because they were kind of satirizing Man right. of Steel and BVS. And, 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 or, or at least that's what I got from it. I don't know if that was the intention. Yeah. But yeah, even that movie still always looks like it just rained. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the closest in terms of DC movies to this would actually be Aquaman. Um, yeah. Mostly in terms of having scenes in, in broad daylight and having them be super fun and crazy. Um, but then also just, like, that end battle sequence that's just, like, ultra colorful and Aquaman gets to wear his full orange and green suit and it all looks great. Um, yeah, I kind of wish they would embrace that more. Um, and it really is unfortunate that that final action scene is, is like, it has got this, like, blue haze over it. It's all at night. Wonder yeah. Woman's golden armor looks fine. They don't really <laughs> let it do a whole lot. And yeah. then they're trying to hide Kristen Wiig as best as they can because cats. Sure. Yeah, we're gonna have to get into that one. Yeah, that, that final scene. There's <laughs> and I do so mean much talking about cats some more. <laughs> so much to unpack from. It's been a cats. year. Yes, <laughs> it's been a year. Um, my worst thing is just going to be that the centerpiece of this plot is a wish MacGuffin. Um, I think that's just supremely dumb and borderline lazy. Um. And I it, like the the way it works doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. For some reason, Max Max Lord once he becomes the wish thing, and he instead of just continually making wishes for himself or trying to to do what anyone else would do, like I wish for a million other wishes that have no negative repercussions for myself, you know that type of thing. He's like, no, I'm becoming the the wish MacGuffin, and then I have to force people to say I wish. Maybe I missed something. All of that seemed so, really stupid and contrived. I okay. I have many thoughts, and I think this is if, if you're good with using this as a jumping off point to like talking about the movie because we are 30 minutes in and we have finally finished best and worst things. Yes. Um, the the the, uh, the central idea of this movie I I found I, very very problematic, and I think it's just dumb. <laughs> I really like the idea, and I I, I realize so. Maybe you you guys either may have had the same experience or maybe I'm completely or I completely miss some stuff that should have been more obvious or maybe you still haven't realized because Alex it kind of sounds like you were in the spot I was in until like the very end of the movie my understanding is that the idea the reason Maxwell Lord does this that he wants to become the wish stone is that he wants to be able to be, if he is the wish stone he can set the 
negative repercussions that other people have. Mm. And that was not clear to me until literally the very end of the movie. But that's what he's doing throughout. Because I think at the very end, he says, like, I don't remember what it was that triggered that, that made it made it obvious to me that that's what was happening. But he does something at the end where he, when he's, like, taking everybody's wishes and granting them. And he's like, like, that's what he's doing when he's like, I'm taking your strength and I'm giving it to uh, Cat's Lady. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's doing all this the stuff where he's taking everybody's wishes. So basically he is instead of the negative repercussions, just being like, Oh, they wished on the stone, something backfired. Now it's, they wish on the stone because he is the stone. He can set what the backfire is to benefit himself. And so that's what happens when he, um, like, for example, when he talks to the president, he's like, Hey, uh, I need you to wish, you know, that you had whatever you wanted. And he's like, I want a million more nuclear missiles. Um, and he's like, great. The backfire is that I now have all your power and okay. like, I'm, I'm a, that makes a lot more sense it's, now. It's, it's not clear stated clearly in the movie. It's not clear at all. And I only caught on to that at the very end. That was, cause I think he, maybe he says specifically like he's, he's, you know, ranting about how great he is. And he, he may say something like that somewhere along the way. It does kind of make that click. Okay. But it was it was the last, yeah. <laughs> like the finale of the movie for me, and yeah. I was like, "Wait, well, that, that's that's okay. why I really caught it." And I was starting to think about it was when he talks to the president, and I was yes. just like, "Wait, why are you setting like demands here? Why are yes. you giving?" Or I don't know, Britain. Did, were, did you catch on to that logic? Um, I caught on to it about thirty minutes into this podcast when Tyler said, "Because <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. uh, no, I did not. No, I um." Also, just as a caveat, I, I will likely not be defending the plot of this movie so much <laughs> as I will be defending my experience watching the sure, movie. Sure, sure, sure. Um, because most of the plot, when I break it down, is very silly. Yeah. But in a way that I kind of enjoy. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't get that. I the, the rules of the Wish Stone, which sounds like we're, we're like reducing it to like a simple term. That's essentially what they call it in the movie. Yeah. Um, the rules of the wish don't seem to be changing a lot or they seem to be like, and here's new lore about it. And I do think it's very funny that all you have to do is say, I renounce my wish. Sure. And then suddenly Chris Pine blows into the wind or something. Which I also have questions about. Um, yeah, exactly. Like it, all of that was kind of hazy yeah. and, and uh, not clear. But. Which is the same thing as hazy. Taking that, ignoring the fact that it was not explained at all, or at least maybe there is stuff about that when he first wishes on it that like, it is just it says it, but it's not clear enough that any of us picked up on it. Um, I have talked to other people who also were very confused. Uh, I don't think that's an, a unique experience uh, for for just us. Okay, uh, so that makes I think me that, feel a little bit better. <laughs> I think that that is something that was just like not outlined nearly well enough, um, and should have been established very very early on. Um, it but does that's make me wonder if they did test audience screenings for this or because of covid yeah they didn't even do that so i i don't know how much editing was done on this well then again it was pushed back several times so maybe they were i don't know mm, i don't know i don't know yeah um but so his motivation i think is interesting is that he's like i'm going to uh become the wish stone so i can i now have the power to set whatever is happening and i can make all of that benefit me and the same thing happens in egypt but now 
I have not gone back to watch that scene. I probably should have to try to understand a little bit more what happened there. Because I think... So that's how he gets the, the guys... The security team. Security team. Because yes. I had no idea what was happening. I, I was also like, had no idea. Why do you suddenly have a security team? Because he asks for the... He, he tells this guy, hey, I want you to wish for something. And the guy's like, I want everyone to leave my my uh, homelands and restore them to me. Yeah. Um, and then a wall pops up, which I'm still not entirely... I guess the idea is just like, now all your lands and people are in this wall and you can't leave. Which something. also felt very X-Men Apocalypse to me. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, but then he's like, and in return, I'm taking all your oil. And he's like, I don't have any oil. And he's like, all right, fine, I'm taking your security team. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's a thing. And I think that is actually what it's supposed to be happening. It just never like... And this is a, a problem that I think happens throughout the movie with the MacGuffin is that it doesn't really establish what the um, the rules of it are at yeah. all. And and the biggest thing for me, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back to the beginning. I'm gonna do a really simple thing that I think is it feels like it should be a screenwriting one on one thing, um, unless I miss something and they did actually do this, but I don't think they did. There's a guy at the beginning of the movie. Uh, when they're when they're first looking at the wish stone, they're like, "What is this?" And there's a guy who overhears them, and he puts his hand on. And he's like, "I wish I had a coffee." And a guy walks in. And he's like, "Hey, I had an extra coffee. Did somebody want one?" And the guy's like, "Oh, huh? Would you look at that? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny." And then he grabs one. We never see that that guy again. Well, yeah, he's just like, <laughs> "No, no, no." <laughs> My point is, the wishing stone is supposed to have a backfire. And that's uh, that's the thing you do where you have that set up, and then like if later he immediately on, tripped and spilled his coffee. Well, no, no, I would say have it there so that because like you would think the way you'd structure it is, and it is sort of what they tried to do is like people wish on the stone, their dreams are coming true. You know, Krista uh, Wig is turning into a beautiful lady with powers and everything, um, and is like a lot more charismatic. Um, that sort of thing. Steve Trevor comes back. And then you start to reveal stuff is going wrong. Hmm. And that feels like the first thing you go back to, like, you know, maybe Diana doesn't notice anything in particular, but then she she sees this guy, and he's like... Or she got one arm. <laughs> His arm just fell off. That's, yeah. Exactly. Oh, God. No, but but maybe it's like, hey, why did... where Where is that guy or something? Like maybe yeah. maybe maybe I guess Kristen Wiig works with him, so she asks like, what, "What what happened to the you know my coworker?" And he's like, "Oh, he's out sick. I don't know what you know like something weird must have happened sure, to him." And sure. so maybe that gets her thinking about like, "Is there a problem with this?" It feels like that's a thing you set up so that then it's a very low stakes example of what can happen, and you can start to to like tell the audience, "Hey, it's like a monkey's paw thing. You know, it's it's yeah. going to cause problems." Um, and I think that plays into the fact that I did not understand what was backfiring for Kristen Wiig or Wonder Woman until very late in the movie. Because yeah. I was, my understanding or what I was thinking was that like Cheetah was, or I guess she was still just Kristen Wiig at that point because the Cheetah stuff comes later, was because she wished to be Diana that that was backfiring on Diana. And I thought that's why Diana was getting weak. But then they're like, no, that's, what happened because you wish for Steve Trevor to come back. You're, you're becoming mortal, but we don't hear her say her wish out loud. So we don't know right, exactly right. why this was interpreted this way or what she said that like led this to be the problem. Yeah. Because it, it, it's, it's yeah. in all the, the Maxwell Lord scenes, it's specific. Like they have to say, I wish for it. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and everybody, like Kristen Wiig says, I wish I were like Diana and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Yeah. But Diana just like holds on to it and blinks a few times and is sad. And then mm-hmm. suddenly a watch starts ticking. Yeah. Which is weird because watches aren't powered by whether you're alive or not. Sure. <laughs> so that's an odd. I get, I get that it's a visual cue for the audience. Yeah. I get it. But also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. It would have been kind of funny if he had like, oh, thanks for the coffee. Hey, you got a phone call. Your house burned down. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, your coffee machine was plugged in. I also really wanted, after the scene where Kristen Wiig is like, I wish I were like Diana, strong and sexy. Because and, no one can just say sexy like it's a word. Mm. Strong and sexy and, you know, powerful and all this other stuff. The next, they cut immediately to Diana being sad in bed. And I really wish that she had been saying, I wish I were more like Barbara mousy and awkward and wearing a big shapeless sweater and getting ignored by jake um, it does also feel like we should we should reference the fact that yes this movie does make Kristen wig look theoretically more attractive by pulling her hair down and taking off her glasses yeah. and putting on more makeup changing her which clothes. is ridiculous because i mean and Kristen wig is i think an objectively beautiful person yes who like I don't know. It's it's very yeah. It's it definitely has that. Well, I, that issue. I was just. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm cutting away from the the uh, wish stone. No, I think we um, I think we've established that it's very confusing. And well, the other <laughs> piece is the Steve much. Trevor part of it, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. I th- this is where I was pulling in of like I don't know if they're if this is just like a superhero or supervillain archetype that people keep pulling from, and they don't actually. Like, they don't actually watch other superhero movies or if they're actively trying to reference things. Is Kristen Wiig supposed to, like, on purpose be, like, a reference to the, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman or Jim Carrey (laughs) Riddler or even Jamie Foxx Electra where it's, like, this meek person who's always, you know, been been beaten down by by society and they they feel completely helpless and then they get this magic power or whatever it may be. Like, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like that archetype on purpose but i'm sick of that archetype can we stop using yeah. that so basically we have we have that archetype and then we have like businessman supervillain like i don't know <laughs> I, I was just like replace replace her with with michelle pfeiffer catwoman and and um guy pierce from iron man 3 and like this these are our villains like I, yeah, I, yeah same i I was just so frustrated because one of the things that I was hoping that they would improve on what was the would be the villains. Actually, if I can interrupt really quick, sure. Guy Pierce in Iron Man Three is also an example of that, is he not? Oh my god, yeah, you're right. <laughs> because is. he starts off in the flashback and he's like this nerdy, weird looking guy, and then all right, they, then they we'll say Sam fancy. Rockwell. How about that? Or Jeff sure. Jeff Bridges, maybe. <laughs> uh, I well, I I do. I mean. I, I think it is that archetype on purpose because that is like that is a not just in superhero movies that is a a fictional that is a storytelling sure, trope sure. of the the nice the nice person gone bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I what I like about that archetype is it kind of reminds people like hey if you're like a meek nice person nerd that's better than the alternative like yeah it's actually a good thing. Yeah. But um yeah I I I. I don't know. It didn't bother me, but I think, and this is a larger thing too about the movie that I think the best storytelling in the movie was done by the acting. Right. Uh, Agreed. Because I think most of the actors in this movie elevate the material so much. And I think Kristen Wiig is, is an example of that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think she's really good in this. And I think that she does like, I think her, 
the way she builds Barbara's transformation over the course of the movie is really good. And I actually like the costume choices they make with her, that it's not like, huh, this thing went a little, like, I made this wish, and the next day it's immediately Raquel Welch or something. (laughs) Right. But that, like, oh, I have to not wear my skirt, I guess. Sure. And, 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 like, that she accidentally rips the, the door off of her refrigerator. But it's not an immediate overnight turn. Right. I like the way she plays that transition over time. Um, and she managed to make it feel a lot more human and a lot more natural. And that like when she sees her homeless friend, um, she's she like enough of her is intact to not like attack him, but she's enough of her is gone for her to be very me like rude and dismissive of him. Yeah. Um, like I thought she did a good job with it, but I, I also think that this movie did improve on the villains at least from the previous wonder woman movie mostly in the sense that i didn't consider these two boring and i considered aries not david thulis who i think is a marvelous actor but i i thought aries in the first wonder woman is just so dull and so flat yeah i i Um, i I think this is where i kind of i'm on the opposite side of y'all a bit i mm. i liked pedro pascal fine in this i didn't like he, he wasn't doing enough for me to, to really enjoy his performance hmm. in terms of, like, really hamming it up and going crazy. Um, and I think that's not so much his fault. It's just, like, he tried his best to elevate the material. I just think the material is very, very poor. Um, yeah. I, I, I Just the whole thing about, like, he neglects his son, um, and his yeah. son is just, like, generic child for us to feel bad about. Um, the, the child has, like, no characteristics whatsoever. And then at the end, when... The child's just, like, in the woods or something. It just yeah. runs out of the woods. And I'm like, oh, so I guess, um, Maxwell, you're not you're not getting arrested. Wonder Woman's not dropping you off in jail with, like, a Superman thing. And, I, 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 like, I, I don't know. I was, just, I was just very frustrated because it felt like – it felt just so bare bones. And, it's, and one of the things that I liked about the first Wonder Woman was that – at the core, there was this interesting conflict with Diana and Steve where it was, it was he doesn't want to show her the nuance of, of the world and how difficult and gray everything is. And, and she's like, I'm going to go kill Ares. That's going to solve all of the world's mm-hmm. problems. And she has this realization like, oh, no, no, no. Men are good and evil. Like, it's complex. Um, so the, the first movie, like, had that going for it. That was, like, at the core of what that movie's about. And this one is just, like, it's missing. And yeah, it's just like, true. don't make wishes upon a stone. <laughs> and like, I, I get it with with the first well, scene of, of Diana having her training at the mascara where it's like, no, you're not supposed to take shortcuts. Like you have to, you have to, you know, try hard and, and like put in your full effort. You, you can't cheat at things. Otherwise it's not going to work out well for you. So I get, I get how that feeds in thematically. It's just, it's not, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. And that's I mean, why the villains is... both fell, fell flat for me because like yeah. it, it all connects and it just didn't work <laughs> there i mean i think and this is <sighs> i think that ties into the wishing stone stuff really well because the the idea behind the finale is like where wonder woman is talking to everyone through the uh magical teleprompter things which um, i was still kind of confused as to how because she she introduces like halfway into the movie is like oh the lasso doesn't just make you say the truth it also shows you the truth 
Yeah. yeah. Which I was confused by how that works exactly, but... <laughs> Beside the point. Um, the... Uh, that that entire, like, monologue is about how, oh, you know, you, I know you really want this thing, but you can't have it. Yeah. And, like, you know, you can't always... I guess you can't always get what you want is sort of a, a theme there. But I think that establishes a larger problem in that for for both our villains, the Wishing Stone backfire is not... It doesn't really feel like a backfire. Like, I guess... So, so Maxwell Lord, when he wishes to become the Wishing Stone, I guess his, like, health goes down, but then because he's able to get everyone's wishes, he just is like, nah, I fixed it. They're, they are <laughs> both back at square one, right where they started at the beginning of the movie, where, where they end off. Cause, no, 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 sorry. I'm I'm talking about, like... so Because the, they, they both renounce their wish. Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, dur- when they... So, Maxwell Lord's wish is to become the Wishing Stone. And that should have a consequence, because the Wishing Stone has consequences. Right. And there's not... Like, I guess the idea is that granting too many wishes or, or being the Wish Stone too long makes your health go bad. And I guess he fixes that with... The everyone's wishes at the end. So, so but that's the kind idea, of a weird. I, I, he does have just a little bit of clarification because he does have that one line of dialogue where he's talking with, I think it's with Barbara, where he's like, "Oh, for every wish, I can wish I, I can have a new organ or whatever. Like I can yes. kind of rebuild myself." So is that is that what he's doing at the end? Because yes, I think he's, he's not taking verbalizing what the backfire is. He just says, uh, "Your wish is granted." Like he keeps saying that over yeah. and over again. So I, he, I'm, I'm okay. I, I guess yeah, yeah. that's clear <clears throat> enough. He, <laughs> sure. <laughs> He's also saying stuff like, I'm taking your strength and your okay. uh, smarts and yada yada. Um, but my point is, I don't understand what consequence he had unless it was literally just like, eh, you, you kind of have a, you know, you'll hurt for a bit, but you also have all these crazy powers. So you beat the system. Yeah. Um, but then with... Uh, Oh, with what? What's Cheetah's real name? Barbara. Barbara Minerva. Barbara. Yes, you just said this. Um, with her, <clears throat> it's like the idea is that she's losing her humanity because she's mm-hmm. she's less empathetic. Yeah, um, like she's losing the good, like her decency. <clears throat> but that kind of just feels like a thing that would happen if you like transformed that quickly and like you know. Again, I guess to the theme of the movie, you know, you're not really earning. Or, or going through real personal growth. And so that doesn't really... Like, I guess my, what I'm getting at is that the consequences feel very wildly different. Uh, and, and, like, so I guess maybe we can get into the Wonder Woman stuff. Her wish is that apparently Steve Trevor comes back. And because of this, her she loses all her powers? Sure. As well, opposed think, to yeah, this well, other at one point I don't know. somebody says, "You get what you most desire, but then you lose the most precious thing you have." Oh, maybe I missed that. Yeah, because I, they they yeah. find a, a exposition man. Because in this kind of movie where we yeah. have a dumb MacGuffin, we need to have the tokens. Okay, so he so they, they may as well have been have been on Skype with Vincent D'Onofrio talking about the Bagul problem they have. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so because Barbara's thing, which didn't bother me, but. Tyler is basically saying that, of course, that would happen. Sexy people are evil. 
Correct. <laughs> Which is 100% accurate. Look, Britain. <laughs> it sure is. Britain, every, every time people's Sexiest Man Alive issue, it comes out and Tyler's like, more like America's Most Wanted. Britain, <laughs> look, you shouldn't put words in Tyler's mouth, but yes, that's totally what he's saying. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I think that that was, that was the idea, which is why... The thing she wanted most was for Steve to come back, okay. and the thing she valued most was her ability to crush mankind under her boot. <laughs> <laughs> and now she lost that. Look, Britain, we're talking about Wonder Woman, not Superman. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I guess Barbara, like, for all of her insecurities, she did, you know, she was a good person. I think yeah, yeah. she knew that about herself, and then... I guess Maxwell okay. just really okay. valued not having bloodshot eyes. <laughs> not being dead. Yeah. Wait, but but then would it... So is the idea that... Is he losing his health just because, like, it's weird for him to be the Wishstone? Or is the idea that he's losing his son because he's drifting farther away from him? And if so, oh, then why is it. why does he have bloodshot eyes? I don't... I, I, I do think that he's, like, his energy... Like, he's been... Being the Wishstone is taking so much energy out of him so, that maybe, like... All that power contained in a mortal vessel needs some, he needs some kind of fuel. Because, maybe so. Maybe that's what. again. This is not. This is all just. <laughs> maybe, they don't say it in the movie. Maybe we shouldn't make the big MacGuffin of our 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 Wonder Woman movie just some vague nonsensical fantasy object. Maybe I'm the yeah. crazy one here, but I just well, well, and, <laughs> well, that kind of flows into a theory that I have, which we, Tyler, you can finish up your thing if you want, and then I can do my, my theory. I was going to say real quick that all of this, I think goes to a big thing that disappointed me, which was that at some point they establish cause uh, the, the stone disappears out of its little ring that it's in at the beginning. And then yeah. Wonder Woman and uh, Steve Trevor find it and she picks it up and she's looking on the inside. And she's like, Oh crap, this is from a God. Like this, a God made this, um, that can't be good. And then they go find our uh, exposition man, and he tells them, "Oh yes, the you know this is from the god of deception or lies or whatever," which is like I guess some kind of minor DC they, character. They were trying um, so hard not to I, say Loki. Yeah, sure. No, uh, it, the, he's got some name in the the comics. I believe. like this is an established character. I no, think, I, I just found it funny because Wonder Woman is listing true. off different names that he's had yeah. in different like, cultures. I'm like Loki, Loki, is, Loki, Loki, Loki. This New is, Disney Plus show. <laughs> This is either Loki or Satan. I can't, I'm not sure. Um, it's Payman from uh, Hereditary. <laughs> it's Bagul. It's Britain, so I told you we had a Bagul problem. I don't know um, what that is. <laughs> it's the, the sinister demon, I believe, is called Bagul. Oh. Or is sure. it Insidious? It could be any of them. Tyler? It, really could. it could be Annabelle. Um, the... <laughs> My point is, when that happened, I was kind of interested because I was like, okay, are we going to get some more God stuff going on? Because that would be pretty fun. I know yeah. Ares was kind of, uh, I think they screwed up the execution of him in the last movie. It it would be fun to get another, to get to, in, to meet another, like, immortal of the DC world if, if he ends up popping up because Diana's foiling his plans and he wanted to do some crazy thing. Um but then that's like the ultimately the ending is she's having a conversation with a man in a suit uh and that's that's just it <laughs> that's yeah. that's the, the 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 widest scope and yeah to your point alex about like reusing a lot of villain tropes and stuff it just does not it's not very enticing to have people who who fit into those lines so perfectly 
um, regardless of how good the performances are, which I think both are very good. And I think that uh, that saves either of them from going down in like super villain infamy in the way that a lot of the, the guys you listed, like Jamie Foxx, Electro, and um, uh, well, people like Catwoman from Batman Returns, but maybe maybe like uh, um, Jim Carrey, Riddler. No, people like him too. Maybe people just like superheroes movies more before the 2000s. I mean, Uma Thurman, maybe Poison it's... Ivy also fits the mold, and I mean, she's giving the best performance in that movie. Sure. Sure. Maybe moving on past the 2000s was a mistake. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wish that they'd done more with that. I wish that that was... I wish the MacGuffin played into something cool and not just like, okay, we're, we're, we're done because he renounced his wish. Um, but Britain... Yeah. I have more thoughts about the renouncing. That, that's a whole nother... Yeah, Britain, yeah. Britain I want to hear thing. your theory. Britain, go ahead. Yeah. First of all, uh, yeah, when she was talking about the, a god had forged this thing, I was like, oh, Hephaestus. We're getting into some Hephaestus yeah. stuff. And then it wasn't. <laughs> um, and I was like, I can't wait for John Goodman to show up with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh, no. Please. Uh, Wonder but, Woman uh, 3. My, we, we still got this, guys. <laughs> it, they just announced it today. They're fast-tracking it. Because why not? It's a pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a... I, I, of course, I have no idea if this would happen, but I genuinely wonder if somewhere in production they were like, we really want Chris Pine to be in mm-hmm. the movie. Because Chris Pine was, in Britain's opinion, the best performance in the first movie. Yep. I don't know how I feel about the best performance in the movie being a guy, but it was, I do think it was. Sure. Part of that's just because I like Chris Pine a lot. So like, we want Chris Pine to come back. What's a way that Chris Pine could come back? And then did that spiral into the rest of it, where they're like, I don't know, she makes a wish or a wishing stone, 80s greed, you can have whatever you want, Maxwell Lord is like a business guy, that could be, you know what I'm saying, like, yeah. did yeah. it all spiral out, and then, um, honestly, they, they very well might have gone for a wonder a Catwoman parody because of the Cheetah thing, they might have just been mm-hmm. like, Cheetah, oh, like Catwoman, let's do that, um, but I, I, I wonder if the whole, <laughs> I don't, I, maybe not the entire movie, but that central MacGuffin was all because they needed to bring Steve Trevor back otherwise, because I don't think that, I don't know what really the point of the movie is. And I don't really know what Diana's, <laughs> even though I kind of like where like when Steve dies the second time or goes away, I guess. <laughs> and that is also really confusing because he's brought back, but he's brought back in another person's body but Diana sees him as Chris Pine, but he sees himself well, as in the mirror as the other guy. So do other people think he's Chris Pine or the other well, guy? That's that's the thing. I didn't know if showing Chris Pine was purely for the audience's benefit. And right. that Wonder Woman right. sees the other guy, but she recognizes, oh, Steve's spirit or soul sure. or whatever is um, now in this guy. And also we want Chris Pine back. And also we <laughs> so, want right. Chris Pine back. I think I think that is the idea. I think the idea is that everyone else is seeing this random guy. That is but. just so yeah. ill-founded. It's bizarre. And it's, it's, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And it feels... So, it, it's just a super lazy, uh, contrived way to bring Steve Trevor back. And I'm sorry. He died in the first one. And you know what? When I saw the first trailer for this one and they were like, oh, Steve's coming back. I'm like, oh, so he's just going to die again and we're going to have another scene where they're confronting each other and Steve going, oh, you have to go on and be the hero that everyone needs just like you did in the first movie. Yeah. So can we... Can it's I, even the same camera angle. 
revisiting revisiting the consequences real quick. And I'm, we, we can jump back to Britain, <laughs> what you were saying, but I just I just want to throw this out here real quick. So the consequence for Wonder Woman wishing Steve Trevor came back was that she uh, she was beginning to lose her powers. Yes, so we yes. established that. The consequence wasn't the guy losing all autonomy and becoming <laughs> literally somebody else, just some random dude literally basically losing his life. Yeah. That wasn't a, that was fine. That was that was cool. That was just like a well, thing. His, well, his autonomy wasn't precious to her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like very cuz that feels like part of the the sinister nature of like, oh, you wished on this, but can you really, you know, force this poor soul to right. uh never return? But then she, that's never, like, well, interrogated yeah. in it, the script. It, it would have been great if throughout the whole time Chris Pine would have a line and then you would hear the other guy's voice in his head like, oh, I don't know if this is such a good idea, Steve. <laughs> and then when she's like, I renounce my wish, that guy, like, Chris Pine, like, he morphs back into the other guy and the other guy's like, <gasps> what? How did I get here? Is this heaven? I, I feel like Fanny Pack. I, I do feel like it almost betrays both Diana and Steve as characters that they're both just cool with that. Like yeah. when when Steve's talking about, oh, I was just in his apartment all day and I know everything about his life and he's going on. I feel like his first instinct when he learns that he has taken over another dude's body is, okay, this isn't right. We got to stop. Yeah. How sure. do how do we how do we fix this? And it, I I don't know. It's just. Uh, I already had problems with Wonder Woman, um, pun intended, I guess, uh, still pining for uh, Steve Trevor oh, after 70 years, um, mm-hmm. which, once again, it makes it – setting it during the 80s very odd. Um, yeah. But the, it's just it, – I, I don't know. It bothered me. And then at the end, yeah. of course, they do the thing just like uh, – <laughs> I was getting severe uh, Night at the Museum 2 vibes. Not just because okay. they go to the Washington D.C. Uh, museum, um, but also uh, that's called the Smithsonian, isn't it? <laughs> they go to the Smithsonian, and they're even in locations that they go to in Night at the Museum. But then also, yeah. like I was thinking, I was getting Amy Adams vibes because Diana mm-hmm. then sees the guy that Steve took over, and it's almost like a Hallmark movie where it's everything snowing and it's like, okay, I guess I'll um, start dating for, you now. You are man. You are good man. I am good woman. Well, well they don't start dating. He walks away. Yeah, he and just, just kind away. of, she just, she does the main thing Gal Gadot does in this movie, which is go. <laughs> uh, no, you right. Alex Prime did point out. Friend of the podcast, Alex Prime did point out that that is a, it is set at Christmas time and there's a red <laughs> star balloon floating up. And, um, it felt very. Uh, it had very similar vibes to a uh, Macy's commercial, and I kind of mm, feel like you could yeah. just take that scene and put it out there and be like <laughs> Macy's, <laughs> and that's just. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think that if they were gonna, they could do this exact same MacGuffin, and Steve Trevor is just back. He doesn't have to be in someone's body. Yeah, he, because it's seventy years later. It's not like they would have to explain like. But you died in the war. How do? You, how are we looking at you here? Like he can just be in the world and it's fine. Right. But I I feel like her. So, so all of this kind of leads to her letting go of of her, her grief that she's been grieving this guy for seventy years and wishing she was with him and wishing he were back. Much like in Phantom of the Opera, wishing he was somehow here again. 
and then he comes back and they just do it all over again. Yeah. And uh, Chris Pine is just selling the heck out of it because he's great. And Gal Gadot's doing well too. But then she that that relinquishing that grief and choosing to move on is what lets her literally and figuratively learn to fly. And I like that mm-hmm. concept. The, the single shot like the, where she has to run away and she's like, I renounce yes. my wish and it's super dramatic and she's on the verge of tears and then she starts healing as like all this yeah. chaos is going. That's a very well done shot. Uh-huh. That's that's quite good, and I really liked her uh, how she was learning to fly, and then she's like whip like Tarzaning around on the lightning, like all yeah. that was great. But the, uh, watching that, I was like, I really like this choice, and I like how this these movies have never made because I I don't feel that in fiction or in life love makes someone weak. I don't think that a woman who has a crush on a guy is a weak character. I think it's when you reduce her to only that, that, mm-hmm. that that's that's not a great idea. And I like that they haven't done that. They are like, oh, she has this love story. She has this person she really cares about. But that's not the only thing she wants in the world. It's not the only thing she cares about. And he is a great guy who understands that, like, I can be your partner without being an alpha person. Like, that's great. And and I like that this movie continues to do that. And I like that they go... It, it, I didn't get the vibe of this that it was saying like ladies get rid of men and then you'll be successful. Although in some cases that's true, but I think in this case it was like no, she has to learn to let go and move on with her life right. from grief, and in so doing, she she get, gets to the next step, and I think that's wonderful. However, this felt like a weird way to do this, and it all felt like just a way to get Chris Pine in the movie. It didn't feel right. like. Yeah. I feel like you could have an arc and, and, and still a very satisfying arc and have Chris Pine. Chris Pine could be in the movie in like a flashback or even as like a like a Wakandan like dream spirit or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, not literally that, obviously, but set, set up some some MacGuffin. And I mean, you don't even have to have it be like the central thing that everyone's hunting after. Set up something where she can go visit the afterlife, or you know, right. to your point, like like they do in Black Panther, where where she can talk to him, or even you know, Deadpool. They have the setup where like he falls into like dreams or whatever, where he's you know, spoilers. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend dies in, <laughs> in Deadpool too, um, which yeah. upset me greatly. But there there are these nice scenes where he's he's talking to her and she's like in the afterlife and he's trying to be with her, and it's like you you could set up something like that. It, he doesn't. My problem is it's it's not just all of that. It's also he doesn't get anything to do in the movie. Right. Like what really does sure. he contribute to the plot other than just emotional stuff for Diana? Yeah, I mean – well, I mean there's the thing about flying and he gets the invisible jet. I feel like she, right. she could have just flown. Cute. Like I, I don't know why they needed to yeah. steal a jet. <laughs> like you could have just right. had to be yeah. – she well, just flies he, there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she and flies I, I think now? that's. I think <laughs> she flies now. <laughs> I think that's. You can talk to birds. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing is that all the all the Steve Trevor stuff is really just Chris Pine stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I'm not complaining about because Chris Pine's great, and I totally understand wanting to have Chris Pine back in your movie, but it just feels so perfunctory. Not 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 it doesn't feel perfunctory, because I, I, I you're talking about the screenplay and were they really lazy? I, I can't speak for the other two guys. The way this movie is directed, I think Patty Jenkins was very invested in in trying to make something good. I think those action sequences are too kinetic and too creative, and I think that there's a... The the movie feels very sincere, and it feels... I I feel like Patty Jenkins, at least, was very dedicated to this. And I 
Of course, I don't know, but I, I feel like she was, and I feel like I, I don't know her familiarity with superhero movies. We have stuff, we have uh, been been down this track before. I don't think it's fair to accuse anybody who makes a thing you don't right. like of being creatively lazy or like ju- just talking about the Game the, of Thrones. The, thing. O- the only reason That's I say that is because of of, <laughs> I, of the villain archetypes and the fact that it's literally yeah. just a wish stone. Sure. That's that's sure. the only reason I, w- I, I was putting that out there. I say that in regards to like directors, uh, screenwriters, etc. Um, not so much studios, and that's I think sure. where you get more muddled than you don't know exactly what was going on. If yeah. there's any tension there, or anything like that, um, uh, or George went playing a drunk Santa. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> which is also pretty late. Yeah, I, so so I guess I guess all all, all of that to say it, it feels like. They just wanted Chris Pine back, and thus they they should have just found a different way to do it, and he should have been in... I, I feel weird saying he should have been in the movie less, but I feel yeah, like yeah. to make all that stuff work thematically more effectively and to make it all kind of flow better, I feel like it actually, it actually would have benefited from that. And then Chris Pine is like a surprise cameo in a vision or whatever, and that's great. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be like, and he's in the world. I guess they get some of the fish-out-of-water 80s jokes from him. Which, again, I like that it's not all pop culture jokes, and I think he really sells it. I don't know how much of that was ad-libbed, but a lot of the things he says are just sentences. They're not really jokes, yeah. mm-hmm. but he says them in a very funny way, like mistaking a trash can for modern art and right. discussing about where all the pockets are on the pants and stuff. Like he, he performed all that in a very funny way, but it still didn't feel like they went, guys, we have all this great 80s comedy. Yeah, Only Chris Pine can sell it. <laughs> It all just felt it's so odd. Yeah, because there, there's a sequence of like four or five scenes where it's just like Chris Pine is learning about eighties things, and aren't they wacky? Yeah, uh, parachute and, pants. What? And um, yet, most of that, the things that he really doesn't get are like modern art, modern fashion, escalators. Yeah, <laughs> and modern planes to a degree. Well, and the plane stuff is like okay, that's that's character stuff. That's that's actually yeah, yeah. like oh, the, ra- really the radar bit by... was quite good. Yes, yeah. he's fascinated by radar and and the shuttles. Like he's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, and I th- I think that's really cool. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. But it's uh, yeah, there there's a sequence there which is like we have seen this in so in so many movies. And it ju- we don't we don't need to do eighty stuff. It's okay, <laughs> we can let it go. There is a really good joke in there where he he keeps putting on outfits with fanny packs. And then at mm-hmm. one point he walks out with an outfit and then he spins it around and there's a fanny pack on it. <laughs> like the fanny pack yeah. is behind him and he spins it. And the his expression is, it sells it perfectly. That, that is a good bit. But I also it is really like when, I think. Yeah. When, when they're in the plane and she's explaining that the radar, they'll, they'll be able to see them even, uh, even like in the darkness, they'll still be able to see them because of the radar. He goes, I'm not going to do the curse word he says, but. Well, shoot, Diana! <laughs> it's such yeah, a yeah. great delivery. That is. Um, but yeah, and I, I've said this before, so I won't go on my whole spiel, but it's like, I get it. I get it. The 80s. I I get it. Right. And then Judd Nelson hand in the air, I really do understand. <laughs> we don't need it. We don't need to do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless, you're, unless you have like a really funny joke or a totally different perspective on it or something. It, at this point, you're just doing the same joke a million times. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, I I feel like he he elevated that material, and I remember there being when he was getting in that plane that they flew. He had this wonderful 
moment where it's all just through his, his face where it was like, I'm home, I'm back in an airplane, I've missed this, I get to fly again, but also I'm amazed because this is a new version of the thing I love, and mm-hmm. it was this, it was like a character moment for him that I was, I was all of that I was getting from him. It's kind of like in the first movie when he's about to go on the suicide mission, so much happens with his face of that about like, mm-hmm. I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm prepared for it, but I'm scared. And I'm sad, and I wish I didn't have to, but I'm going to do it. There's so much in that that, again, I think that he and Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal communicate so much yep. through their performance that makes the script seem richer than it is. But then if I step back and I go, but what's actually like probably on the page? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think especially so like, great, great job on the actors, but like Kristen Wiig, um, that interest intro scene she has with Gal Gadot is like. It really feels like, hey, BSNL funny lady. Yeah, like it does. Yeah. There's nothing there for her to it's, like. It's all work Kristen Wiig mumbling ad libs, which she's good yeah. at doing. I completely, I what I found amazing, like hilarious, uh, and not necessarily in a good way was when Gal Gadot's like, hey, let's go do, uh, let's have lunch. And so they cut to them having lunch. Immediately, Gal Gadot is laughing. And she's like, you are so funny. No one's made me laugh like this in such a long time. But there's no indication that, like, that Barbara is funny. We know that Kristen Wiig is funny as Barbara. Right. There's no, and, and then they talk later, and Kristen Wiig's like, you're, oh, she says, uh, Gal Gadot says, like, well, I'm, I don't really usually go out. I'm not very social. And Kristen Wiig's like, really? Oh, I thought you would go out all the time. And. She's like, well, I'm surprised you don't. You're so warm and personable. It really felt like in a movie where they go, oh, well, we can't show the the audience these character traits. We'll just have other characters tell them. <laughs> it's like how any fantasy, any mini fantasy movie, someone's like, you're a leader. People believe sure. in you. They want to follow you. And it's like, no, he's just blonde. <laughs> right. It's not. <laughs> that's not really. You have that's to like. That's actually just a famous actor. Uh... Yeah, you have to like embody that somehow i i I feel and this might just speak to how messy and all over the place a lot of a lot of the movie is but i i think when you have a two and a half hour movie and you you're we're running into issues like that and and kind of properly explaining kind of how our our fantasy gym is supposed to work i i just i can't help but just scratch my head for most of the runtime going i feel like we're just spinning our wheels here like it didn't yeah. feel like we were yeah. actually starting the plot of the movie until about a hour, an hour and a half in. Mm-hmm. It felt like we were just getting the pieces into place. I'm like, guys, this shouldn't take this long. And I don't want to throw out my usual complaint of it's a bad movie, which means it should automatically be shorter. Um, and once again, like going back to my point about accusing people of being lazy, you're not lazy, and and make it and you make a two and a half hour movie like that's. <laughs> Right. Sure. Like, if they really wanted to just, like, get this out and just, like, be over and done with it, it would be 90 minutes. Um, sure. Yeah. It's the same thing with, like, Spider-Man 3. Like, Sam Raimi wasn't lazy on that. It's just, it it didn't work. Yeah. I, I, I will say, as long as... So I watched this movie in, in two two pieces, but I watched, like, an hour and 40, maybe more in one sitting, and then mm-hmm. I finished it this morning. And that was just because I was tired. I, I was enjoying the movie. <laughs> I was just sleepy. Sure. Um And so I... To me, it, I knew it was like a two and a half hour movie, and I knew it was long. But while I was watching it, it didn't really feel long. Like I was consistently, like I said, I was just entertained, and I was consistently being like, I don't know if this needs to be here, but I'm, I like watching these actors. I think the action sequences are great. Like 
you are giving me things that I like to see, and it's kind of nice to watch like a big studio blockbuster that I'm genuinely entertained by. But then thinking about it now, I'm like, it didn't need to be two and a half hours. But at the same time, you know, movies, and particularly superhero movies, they're not just plot information delivery services. Like, this is meant to be fun. It is meant right. to be entertaining. And I feel like some people get really caught up in like, well, what was the point of that scene? It's like, well, yeah, sometimes there's filler scenes that are unnecessary, but it's also about creating an experience. Right. And, and I, I get caught up in that myself. I, I get caught up in sure. the, the, the Christopher Nolan uh, methodology of every scene needs to have a point. Um, right. And, and to your, like like most Star Wars movies like have a token scene or two that is just like escapist yeah. fun. Like this is fun, the yeah. trash compactor scene is is a perfect example of that. Sure. Where it's like, yeah, you sure. don't need it. it; could be easily cut. It's a great scene, and I'm glad it's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like an enjoyable bit of bit of uh, storytelling. And I think that with this, the only time it really felt to drag for me was in the third act, which is yeah. basically after she learns to fly and all of that is satisfied. I, that's when I started to kind of lose interest <laughs> because the really the monologue she gives to. Pedro Pascal, and then also the world felt really long and also repetitive, and I didn't really know what it was about. Yeah, sure. <laughs> because you know she's giving him this speech, but then it turns out that she's got her her lasso around his ankle, so that means that it's like a conducting rod. Also, yeah. well, they establish to... they establish the lasso can connect to lightning, so clearly well, it oh, can yeah, be transmitted. True. Well, well, just through these yeah. just, so I'm understanding because. I, when I first watched it, I was like, this is ludicrous that everybody would just renounce their wish. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous that, you know, everyone's going to automatically make the right choice. Um, I, I understand thematically what it's trying to say of, of, like, ultimately, you know, the good and the human soul will triumph or, or, or whatever. Um, but is the idea supposed to be because they're using this this system that can reach out to everyone and with Pedro Pascal's powers and the lasso roped around his ankle – that everyone can see the truth. Like, it's not I just th- yes. her speech. It's also they realize, oh, th- her, this has her horrible speech, negative consequences. Her speech is using, is going, or like her speech and the and the lasso together are like telling everyone, showing everyone the real truth of their, of their okay. actions and consequences. Okay. They need to renounce it. Um, which I also have questions about because they destroyed a bunch of power lines uh, outside the area. And I was kind of like, is that not going to mess up the infrastructure here? Whatever. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, so, I know a lot of people have talked about, like, oh, a plane couldn't fly from uh, D.C. to Cairo in the 80s. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, that. It's an ex- call it an experimental jet that, you know... Yeah. Only Don't exist worry. in DC world. <laughs> Don't I, worry, uh, uh, Diana. La- uh, she she wrapped the lasso around the front of the plane. She's like it. Ult- it, it gives it unlimited fuel. Like yeah, the, we'll, we'll just we'll just the, come up with new powers willy nilly. Why not the invisible? I mean, they kind of do with the invisibility stuff. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah. the in- the invisible Zeus powers also make it more aerodynamic. It's well, that's well, like think about that it, is though. the least of the movie's problems. <laughs> well, no, but also, I mean, but think about it. If, if the jet is invisible, the plane's not having to use its energy to reflect light. It's not having to use its energy to like show off its cool insignia and bumper stickers (laughs) and the coexist sticker it has on the back of the plane. Um, This was the eighties Britain. That's not, no. Yeah, you're right. The, the Bonnie Tyler (laughs) mud flap thing. Um, uh, Bonnie Tyler mud flap would be a great band. I realized that's like, (laughs) But yeah, like, like yeah, that that's what happened there. 
Um, I also felt like... So I mentioned how much I like the action sequences. Because I do. I think they're all really well done. Except I didn't like the fight with Cheetah because it was so dark and I yeah. couldn't see anything. I am and, really disappointed with the golden armor. I was like, sorry, yeah. I interrupted. No, that go, but, but that goes into it. Like the golden armor looked more like seaweed green almost. Mm-hmm. And and I understand that having it be dark, that lasso pops a lot more. That lasso is going to pop regardless. Right. And you can you can isolate that the, the, uh, vocal track and use that as a ringtone or something. Because <laughs> listen, that lasso is going to pop. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, to your um, point, like the White House sequence, like she's using the lasso all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's it's super. Yeah, it still works. Yeah, yeah. it's cl- um, it looks good. Like it's clear. No, like, it it's does. Like, oh, sure. this is fun. Like I see she's throwing people around. Gotcha. Yeah. And and I also I give respect to this movie because you know, at some point during production, people saw cats mm-hmm. or they saw the trailer for cats or they knew, and they were like cats, and we're working on cheetah. And I genuinely respect the movie for being like, no, we're doing it. Yeah. No, no, we're going to do this. We are sticking with it. And I didn't think she looked that bad. I thought it worked. But no, we I mean, like, my, my, comp- I, I kind of disagree with that. I, I mean, I do respect that it wasn't like, oh, we need to, like, drastically redesign her or anything like that. Right, right, right. It does seem like they are actively trying to make that scene as dark as possible to, to restrict no, how bad she looks. Which, yeah. there I, are I, I shots she looks of her terrible, like the digital character. Um, but it obviously it does draw cats comparisons and yeah, I, it didn't look to me like it was like Kristen Wiig, like at all. It looked like it was just a flat out CG character for most of that. And I found there that were kind of a frustrating. few, cl- I feel like there were a few close up shots where it did kind of yeah. look like her and I wasn't sure if it was makeup. Or I think there attack. is some makeup slash CGI going on where they are changing yeah. a shot of her. And I think those actually look pretty good. Like I think the design, sure. like they do some painting kind of marks did you things. Both, did you both find it um, odd that there wasn't a scene where we see her like transform and it's like a I don't know like a wolf man scene almost sure. where it's like oh I'm turning this is terrible ah yeah like almost like a and horror I, scene is that is that weird yeah. that that's not in the movie because she kind of just shows up in her final form mm. and that's the weird thing is that they really because like I said I mentioned how much I liked the way they had built her her, her yeah. arc up until that point they're on the plane and she just goes oh i want to be more an apex predator like they're trying really hard to not to have her say things that aren't i want to be a cat right because <laughs> hey everybody wants to be a cat there's a song about it see but... what they should have done after cats came out and got panned they should have been like hey did you see that movie with taylor swift about the the weird animals i want to be like that Even they, they should have ha- they should have ADR'd yeah. that so that that was actually what she asked for. And it's like, oh, okay. Cool. Well, yeah. This... Cat, Cats premiered on Broadway in 1982, I think, or 81, maybe. Oh, she can be so a Broadway fan. She there should we have go. been seeing Cats or listening to Cats to be like, oh, I wish that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been so good, actually. I would genuinely, I mean, I like the movie anyway, but I would like it even more if they just went for it and she was like, I wish I was like the Cats and Cats. <laughs> Uh, I want to be I... a jellical cat. <laughs> <laughs> Make me jellical. <laughs> um, and then, and then I, I, I lean into the side of the screen. I'm like, that's just a cat. <laughs> just a cat. <laughs> yeah, Maxwell Lord is like, what is that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so for Alex, Wonder Woman 1984 is really just 1984. <laughs> uh. I 
I think her design overall, like I like I said, I think the face design works. I think the rest is just like, and maybe there's no good way to do it. Maybe maybe yeah. we've tried it twice with two different movies, and there's not a good way to make like a striking good cat person design. I right. guess. Um, but I don't know. Like, and I kind of feel like she could have been like bulkier like it could have been more like a werewolf thing of like oh she's sure. like turning into a big sort of monster that, that doesn't have to be that like, was the point i, that know I thought of was turning her into like a flat-out monster like grotesque yeah and i know that's not how cheetah looks in the comics um but also like it's dc you you, you haven't you yeah. haven't been that faithful up to this point you, you can do some some minor changes to make things. This is one case where it's like, okay, I get why you would say the comic version doesn't work. Let's yeah. Well, touch also, it up a bit. I don't know. On, in um, she does uh, a character, playable character in the Injustice Two video game, and sure. in that, she's got like this crazy red hair, and she has like a cat face. Like it's still humanoid, but she has like cat's eyes, and she's got like kind of a snout, and she got teeth, and the cat nose. So like, you could commit a little more to that, maybe. She also, um, and I'm gonna look this up because i may be mistaken i may be mistaking her with tigra from marvel one second continue mm. <laughs> well but and also just from an action standpoint i think the choreography in the movie throughout was really fun and i really liked all the action sequences obviously like i've said a thousand times now but in that scene it was harder to follow the choreography and i feel like it was good choreography but it was all just dark yeah and so it was kind of hard to to latch on to it. Yes, I just confirmed this. In the comics, Cheetah looks like a cheetah. Like, her print is orange yeah. and black. And I'm like, what? This movie, again, it's so colorful. Yeah. Just make her look like a cheetah. You don't have to be scared of that. I've rescinded yeah. I've rescinded my forgiveness of saying maybe you could just say it does. the comic doesn't work. The comic would work. <laughs> just make it colorful. You made everything yeah. else colorful. Why is this? Why is this where you draw the line? Yeah, I think the only DC movie that is really committed to, like, we're going to have our supervillains look, like, super colorful and crazy is Aquaman. Like, mm-hmm. all of the mm. other ones either have terrible designs, like Joker from Suicide Squad, or it's just, like, it's a gray thing. Like, the other <laughs> yeah. bad guys from Suicide Squad and Doomsday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Shazam, even. Which I, I like Shazam a lot, but the villain is not it's, the It's Mark Strong in a trench coat. Right. Yeah. And all the uh, the seven deadly sins or something. Yeah. And even, you know, Ares doesn't look great. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem. It, it, Again, uh, talking about how these are starting to feel like early MCU movies because they had no idea how to make a villain that was effective. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's that's... Kind of, Unless kind of, you cast Jeff Bridges, I should clarify. Yeah, <laughs> and that was good of Jeff Bridges. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that's kind of like a one-two punch of like I just like the the third act like really dropped the ball for me again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like okay, so cheetahs are muscle, so that's where the the physical fight is going to be, and then we're going to have like the the more thematic confrontation with Maxwell Lord. Sure. And I'm like I I think both of them are kind of bad. <laughs> It's very uh, uh, James and, Bond of this film. And I, 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 also, James Bond of this film to be bad. <laughs> well, Britton, to your point, I feel kind of bad saying this, but I found all the action scenes kind of underwhelming. And I don't know if that's just because I, since I wasn't invested in the story, that I didn't care as sure. much. So that I mean, that could just be it. Um, but a lot of them felt like it was overdoing it with the slow motion, and uh, mm. it was overdoing it with the CG. 
Um, I feel like the movie could have used yeah. some some more practical effects. Uh, yeah, I, I do feel like this movie used a lot more stunt work than some of these other movies have, right. um, which I, which I liked. And for me, it was also I liked the way the camera moved. Some of the slow motion stuff, sure. She did pull a bullet out of the air with a whip, yeah. <laughs> which I thought with a lasso, which I thought which, was kind of cool. Well, I found that kind of silly because like you have the bracelets, like they they purposely show it like whizzing by her, and I'm like. Just pull out her bracelet. She like, didn't react quite fast enough to catch it, but she did react fast enough to be like, "I should grab I, it." I, I, it was, I don't know. It's just Fine. weird. <laughs> I found I found it silly in a in a cool. I way. thought I thought it or was cool fun. in a silly I, way. Or whatever, yeah, that was even, that fight because that's that's part of the big like Egyptian roadway fight, yes. right? Yeah, because that's I think that's fun. Uh, I think there's some good stuff with like her. She she rockets the truck out of the air um, at one point, and that's like a really cool shot. Uh, and she like shoves a truck away by getting in between two of them, and like there's some two of them are trying to crush her between them, and she's like pushing back and forth on them. And there's some yeah. neat stuff there, uh, but I I really going back to the the end of that the it just looks that entire sequence where uh, the kids are about to be run over and Chris Pine yeah because they because they apparently can't hear the four the giant huge vehicles. Convoys. And and Chris Pine shoots a missile, and it's like, wait, what? And then uh, Wonder Woman lassos onto it and uses it, and then it's like momentum, jumps right? Off of it and lassos onto a telephone pole and grabs them, and like they're still going at a really high speed, and she doesn't actually get them out of the way because the lasso slips from her hand, which I guess is because like she's losing her power, so that's fine. Yeah, that's supposed um, to be the first signal that she is losing her strength. Well, she gets she gets cut earlier in that. Scenes, oh yes, scenes, yes. Believe. Oh well, um, that that kind of that was confusing me because I I was thinking back to kind of my my confusion from the first movie at that point where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so she needs bracelets to like block bullets and stuff, but then like she's getting punched around by Ares and isn't like she's not being affected. Yeah. I'm confused by what hurts her and what doesn't. So when that happened, I got confused. I, I did. I did. Was also confused by that for a moment, um, but ultimately. Uh, she does not get the kids out of the way, but then it's fine because Chris Pine is the one driving the truck directly in front of them, and she, he stops. Right. I don't know that that's when also felt she like weird holds and... on to them and like braces the the impact. Yeah, I, I appreciated it... the focus on still having her wanting to save people. I think yes, that that's is true. That's one thing. It, when I think, I, I feel like this movie overlooks a lot of small details. I like that it never loses that, and it's like no, no, yeah. no. Superheroes, we like superheroes because they save people, I, not just because they punch the bad guy in the face. <laughs> I would agree. Um, I think, for me, it felt kind of distasteful. <laughs> um, just because it's like, you know, I don't think, I don't know about Egypt specifically or like what that region, like near Cairo, if, if that has like been subject to a lot of the wars that have been fought in the Middle East, but like that's just such a. And I, I know I'm, like, saying this about this movie and not saying anything about, like, the Transformers movies. Uh, it's been a long time since we reviewed those. We probably have worse things to say about them now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it felt like... It felt weird to me that it's like, oh, we're doing very schlocky action when we're we're talking about an RPG and a convoy military trucks and children playing soccer in the road in the Middle East. Like, I... There is something yeah. very disconnected <laughs> to me about having that kind of action happening with something that is a very re- real, like, right thing of violence, as opposed to, you know, the beginning of the movie where you've got the, um, 
the guy holding, you know, the completely ridiculous guy premise of the guy holding the girl over the railing, whatever. Like, that's just so outlandish that it's like, and it's happening in a colorful mall that everyone's just having fun in and playing arcade games in. And so that's like a very different place for there to be some crazy fun action. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when we went there in this movie, I was like, I don't, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> I, I, I know what know. you mean. Yeah. And, uh, uh, uh yeah, two, so, so two thoughts on this one, I, I do agree, Alex. And I, I liked that in the kind of second opening after the Themyscira flashback, it's essentially a, a series of people being saved by Diana in different uh-huh. ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it really felt a lot like, the Arrowverse shows on the CW, something that they do well, at least in Flash and Supergirl, is routinely episodes will open with them, you know, stopping a bank robber or yeah. saving somebody from a car or whatever. Like, just to kind of remind you, like, hey, this person is also just, like, a good human who likes to help people. Or alien, I guess. Yeah. But, um, and, and so that was something that I really liked about this movie is that it also reminded you of the the fun and the real heroism, which is looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, and I had a similar feeling, Tyler, uh, to what you were talking about in the montage of everyone making their wishes when there is yeah. a guy in the Middle East saying, I wish for, we had more nuclear weapons. Yeah. Now, now I understand <laughs> this is set in 1984, so that area of the planet, and this guy was clearly a soldier. He was there with, like, equipment, and I understand why that person said that thing in that time. I totally get it. But it felt very, like, thoughtless and distasteful, I think is a good word for it. And I think if they had showed someone in that same region saying, I wish for peace or I wish we didn't have to do this anymore, that would have been nice. But obviously that wouldn't all – the point of that is that – People are asking for bad things. Right, and it's showing the cost of what happens when bad people around the world all get the thing that they want simultaneously. Right. And so you had all these different people. You have – a, a British woman just dying in a kitchen, I guess, while an Irishman may get deported. Like you have all of this stuff. It's like, I, I understood why that was happening in the movie, but I think that that coupled with what you're talking about, it's like, this is something that we, st- this is not like a bygone problem. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're just being a little cavalier about it. And like, yeah, uh... which is not a new thing for, again, no, about the Transformers no. movies or even like the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, or the mean, video games do it all the time. Yeah, like where they're just like, ah, Middle East, we can do, you know, we yeah. can just go over there and yeah. have big desert explosions. That's fine. No one lives here. <laughs> like, right, this is not right. a real thing anybody deals with. Yeah, it's 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 a problem. I, I did have one question regarding that sequence in the diner because later on when when everyone starts renouncing their wishes, they're they're performing CPR on the woman we never cut back to her to see if she's still alive. So I, I don't know how many of the wishes like have permanent consequences that don't then get reversed. Like if somebody gets killed because of a wish, are they brought back to life? Does that guy actually say he's renouncing his wish? In the, in the montage? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, he do, maybe, he do, maybe it's just like, eh. <laughs> it's fine. I tried to say it. I don't know what, you know, it's just... Um, no, yeah, it, and this is a big thing because she tells everyone to renounce their wish. My first question here is why is Maxwell Lord not renouncing his wish or renouncing his wish? Why is that not like immediately like okay, everything snaps back? Like why 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 yeah. could that not just be like the clean way to do it because that just feels 
more like elegant. <laughs> I, because, I, I guess it was also thematically like everyone choosing to be the hero and everyone choosing yes, to like tap into their own. But also, Diana is like, I'm not talking to you. Right. I'm talking to everyone else. But she was actually talking to him because she ultimately <laughs> convinces him yeah. <laughs> that, that he needs to well, renounce his wish too. But yeah. my point is, she walks out and like Maxwell Lord goes, gets on a helicopter and escapes and, and flies back and finds Alistair in the bushes. Um, they she walks out and like where he is there's all this like debris and there's all this like chaos remnants uh and it's so it's like how did what 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 consequence did not get like rescinded that yeah. left this random trash on the ground like what why did someone renouncing their wish like change something but not like yeah. all this random wreckage and stuff like i don't one, it is weird because when people renounce their wishes, suddenly nuclear warheads going through the air just disappear. Well, they, they say they disappear, but they actually explode. It shows yeah. some of them exploding. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, well, so shouldn't that... Because that would also have a... If all those nuclear warheads in the sky <laughs> detonated, like, that's a very big problem. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, I, I want to try and, and and turn this to, to kind of Britain, your perspective, because I, I feel like kind of the way you're looking at this is the movie's really fun and silly. So a lot of that stuff is just kind of not meaningless, but it, it doesn't matter so much, which is kind mm -hmm. of a, yeah, or it, it didn't detract as much right. from my experience, which is something I, I try and like use, you know, to help excuse stuff like in a Muppet movie, if something's like right. super ridiculous or doesn't make sense, I'm not going to take off points because that's the point. Right. Right. Whereas something like this, like, if this was trying to go full, like, 60s Batman movie, like, campy, ridiculous, yeah. like, Batman's running with a bomb, and, and, like, he keeps running into people, and he can't get rid of it. Um, mm. But that's not... I can't tell how much of the movie is supposed to be, like, tongue-in-cheek ridiculous, and how much of it I'm supposed to be taking seriously. And that's yeah. where... The movie does seem to be trying to wear its references on its sleeve. It it does feel like it's trying to be very much in the vein of the original Superman movies. Um, but I, one of the big things that that at least the Richard Donner parts of those movies have that that this doesn't is a sense of verisimilitude. Which it which is I, I've watched the behind the scenes stuff. Like that's a a word he continually brings up is like the believability in what's going on. Like the, all yeah. these fantastical things are happening, but you believe in the characters that are doing it. And this movie mm -hmm. just doesn't have that. Sure. And I, I I think it's seriously lacking. So I I like like. I, 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 Britain, I want to look at it the way you're looking at it, where it's just like, it's just like this really fun ride and, and don't take it seriously. But I, like I said, I can't tell how much of it is supposed to be taken seriously. Right. No, and I, and I do agree because when a Muppet movie does something crazy and ridiculous, they're doing their job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, uh, like John Wick, I think is a nice example of like, this is crazy, but it's also serious. But not really. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like that no, – we, we all know exactly – like us in the movie are on the same page yeah. about what, what what we are expecting. And with this, it's like – like I was saying, I don't know if when they were writing that mall sequence at the beginning, if that was just – this is – obviously her, her beating the bad guys is supposed to be fun. But this whole thing is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Or was it like, 
I don't know, then this happens. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I, I, I agree. There, there are pieces of this movie where I'm not sure if I am enjoying it on the level the movie wants me to or not. <laughs> right. And it's kind of frustrating because it, you know, Tyler, you were, you are, I think there's a lot of comparisons to be made to both Spider-Man three and the amazing Spider-Man two in terms of just messiness. And it's oh just yeah. Like, yeah. This is, but there's another big point I want to get to if you don't get to it. Comparing it's such tonal whiplash going from the first Wonder Woman into this, and I was trying to set my expectations similar to what I had for the first movie because I assumed it's the same people working on it. It's probably going to be the same feel. No, it feels like a completely different movie, and I felt mm-hmm. it, it, I was getting serious vibes to Amazing Spider-Man Two, where where like Amazing Spider-Man is pretty tonally consistent. I mean, the, you know, there's kind of ridiculous lizard stuff, but it's all supposed to be <laughs> taken fairly seriously, right. Um and then you get into Amazing Spider-Man 2, and it's like, is half of the movie a joke? Is two-thirds mm-hmm. of the movie a joke? Like <laughs> Some of the movie is, is definitely some a joke. Of the movie, like, I was, I was getting... I, it felt like I was, I was having deja vu when I was watching this, because I'm like, this is... It feels like a completely different universe from the first movie. Um, yeah. And I didn't even... You know, the, the first movie's fine. I, I, you know, I, I didn't love it as much as, as both of you did, and as much as everyone else seems to. But I... I I still like. I understood what that movie was going for, you know. Yeah, I, I also think there there are movies you take seriously, and there are movies you take sincerely. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, I I'm supposed to believe in the feeling, like I believe in the characters, I believe in the emotions guiding this thing, even if these specific elements don't hold together. I, I believe in what's governing the thing that's that's. I, I I believe in the driving force, right? And and yeah, this one like looking at it analytically. Yeah, it, it it doesn't all hold together, and it's kind of weird and jumbly and 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 whatnot. But yeah, I also, generally speaking, don't walk. I mean, some superhero movies I take seriously, but I generally walk into them just wanting to be entertained. And if 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 other stuff comes with it, that's fantastic. And sometimes I walk into those movies, and I do expect something else because. Like with the the Nolan verse movies, you know, I definitely went into Dark Knight Rises with a particular expectation mm-hmm. because of Dark Knight and Batman Begins, right? And Logan, I knew what Logan was, you know, purported to be, yeah. Um, and I guess similarly with Endgame, but I, by and large, I watch superhero media to be like, well, let's let's let me let's see, <laughs> you yeah. know, maybe I'll have some fun and we'll see whatever else comes with it. Depending, and I guess that's how I watch a lot of stuff. But yeah, I have, I have a different relationship with superhero media than than y'all do, right? Sure. Which is probably a healthier way of looking at it. <laughs> I don't know. Correct. We've all heard me talk about musicals. I think I just <laughs> once I again. I, that same I would thing like to say a, probably a healthier way of looking at it. <laughs> um, well, Brendan, I think this movie's really wonderful and moving. What's the problem? I didn't like the editing. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought their high kicks were a little lackluster. <laughs> um. The, the other big thing I wanted to talk about, and this is where I, I've been messaging you guys, and I brought up the Amazing Spider-Man 2 comparisons. This is what really gave me the feel. There's one particular scene that I set up by an earlier scene. So earlier in the movie, um, <clears throat> Barbara is walking down the, the sidewalk at night going to work, um, and she walks by a, a homeless man that she clearly knows, and she's like, hey, I, you know, I got you. I think she gives him like a sandwich and yeah, some uh, food, like yeah. some money. Um, and he's like, oh, thank you. You're, you know, you're the best. Um, and then she keeps walking and there's a drunk sitting on a, on a bench and he gets up and he's like, Hey, I'm going to walk you home. How dare you reject me? And she gets mad at him and tries to get away. And like, obviously it's, it is a harrowing scene. And like it, you know, I I think it's a good scene. I think the scene is, um, and 
Diana shows up, kicks him out of the way. There's a fun bit where she's like, oh, I just use his own momentum against him. It's, it's nothing. It's, you know, super easy. Um, and I think that's a really good scene. But then later, um, Barbara is walking along and she sees, well, so it's two things. Cause she's walking, she walks in front of this hotel. Um, and there is a good joke where, or bit where, um, there's some guys milling around in front. Like, I, I guess they're helping people get unloaded and stuff like that. Um, and I think one of them is like, Hey lady. And she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> or something, like she just shuts him down, yeah. um, which is good. And then she turns the corner and she's walking along and the drunk guy is there and he cat calls her again. It's the same drunk guy. It's like, okay, sure. Um, and she uh, turns around and walks back to him and like confronts him. And she ends up in this really dark, and again, I think it's a pretty good scene, this really dark kind of moment for her. She's kicking him down and she's like, you know, basically, you know, using her new powers to say, I now control this situation. Yeah. You can't hurt me. Um, and obviously she's taking it far, but she still feels justified in doing that. Right. Um, and I think that's good. But then she kicks this guy into the street and the homeless man just walks up yeah. and he's like, what did you do to him? And then she's like, no, go away. Yeah. Mind your own business. Something like mind that. Mind your own business. And I was very confused at the fact that these two people from the previous scene, who were both in the park at random places, both popped up in the exact same place here. It was weird. And that was not the only time it happened, but that was yeah. the one that was supposed to be like, okay, that is just like, you You, you know, are not trying to make this work. On a, it, like, it's like, it's like one of those humans level. of, it's like one of those humans of New York stories you see. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I lost my job and it's been really hard. But there's this attempted rapist and we just keep running into each other. And I don't know what's gonna... I don't know what it is. And this woman just beat the tar out of him. And I so do... Yeah, there... I, yeah I, I know what you mean, though. That That is, like, a very... If it were, like, the same place or even just, like, the same park, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> but and, instead of... Yeah, I know what you And mean. again, and I hate it because both scenes are very visceral and good. Yes, and yes, yes. This is something sure. I was talking to you guys about that I don't... There is so much of this movie that I don't feel like I can talk about one thing positively or one thing negatively without bringing up one of the other thing. Like, I feel right. like it's all so push and pull and turn like i can't just sit there and, and say hey here is something that i really genuinely enjoyed aside from page of pascal yeah and even then i you know his character is not you then still have to talk about the well. script yeah yes um yeah i i did like i, I thought I, I completely agree with you that first scene where diana saves her is is harrowing and that is like it's tough and it's a very good scene i thought it was kind of funny at the end the guy's just kind of like groaning on the ground and it's like huh well, go home, okay? You're tired. Go home. And then she just walks away. She's like, <laughs> I'm not going to help you anymore. I know you just got had this horrible experience and I saved you. Bye. <laughs> I got to go look at this watch, sadly. And there's a picture of me and an old woman. We don't know who that is. No, I think that's uh, that's the lady from the first one. Oh, okay. Then I just didn't remember. Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, that... I think so. Okay. That would have been nice I'm pretty to know. Sure. <laughs> um I mean, I think it's. The, I think it's just the same person, and she's older. Well, I was. Like, I think, well, okay. I, I I didn't glean that, and that that would have been a cool conversation for Steve and Diana to have to discuss what Maybe happened so, to yeah. the characters from the first movie because I liked them. Sure. <laughs> um, I did want to ask, following that that first kind of assault scene, um, Diana's telling Barbara to like go home, 
and she seems to be going home, and then she just ends up right back at the office. Because that she was going to the well, office. Yeah, Barbara was going then, to work. She, she was, was going to work. work. I thought it was at yes. night. Yeah, she yeah. works late. <laughs> she she was just saying she no she they okay. there's like a conversation. Yeah. I think she actually says this to the homeless man. I think she's she's walking by and he's like, oh, late night again. She's like, yeah, got to get into work. To okay. Do X, Y, and Z. So, I, that is established. That's me just not picking up on dialogue. <laughs> this movie's bulletproof. Um, sure. It's a show that, you know, there's no way she can be a successful woman because she doesn't have a social life. It's a show <laughs> that we should pity her because she's dedicated to her work. Sure. Um, uh as far as other coincidences, I did want to mention, I'm trying to remember what else was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like they both, I, I mean, I think one of the big ones is, um, Steve and Diana stumbling on Maxwell's caravan in the mm. middle of like, just right. on a road yeah. somewhere. Well, the, there's um, that. Kind of like, ah. They show up to talk to, um, exposition man right when Barbara gets there. Um, and she's like, wow, that was fast. Which, I mean, they knew where to go. It's just setting up that scene where they get there at the exact same time was kind of weird. Um, yeah. The big one that I noticed was just Barbara showing up at the White House. <laughs> I'm like, how would you know to get yeah. there? How did, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, because Maxwell Ward doesn't now. <laughs> know, has no idea who she is at that point. Like, it's only, that's the scene where he's like, oh, hey, I like this lady. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's odd. I do wonder if there are any scenes missing that help kind of put those pieces back into place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to your to your initial point, it was very amazing Spider-Man Two, where it's like we don't have an elevator of coincidences. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to ask, how did we feel about Gal Gadot's performance in this? Okay, so I think that she was clearly the straight woman in this movie. She had. She was playing it the most yeah. straight and the most serious. I So I've only seen Gal Gadot in these movies and the Fast and Furious movies. I sure. never saw Keeping Up with the Joneses, I think is what it was called. Um, and, well, I guess Ralph Breaks the Internet. But I th- the best comparison I can draw is Harrison Ford in the sense that I think that it's the persona and the presence that registers more than the acting. Um, I don't think she's, like, a terrible actress by any means, but I think it's more that she just, like, embodies these things more than it is that she's, like, a great actor. Right. Mm. Um, there are some there are some lines in here that feel a little pushed or, you know, and maybe that's just because I was so taken with the other performances, which are also just bigger. And so I think she was clearly approaching things differently than Kristen Wiig or Pedro Pascal. But that 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 was kind of where I felt. Like, I, thought, I think yeah. she's fine, but I think it's more, like... It's the persona of Wonder Woman that I'm responding to, as I would opposed ag- to like, wow, what a performance. Yeah, I would agree with all of that, and also I would say I think it's probably a weaker performance than the first one. Mm. Um, and again, that might just be the script. That might just be like, yeah. these other actors are more capable of turning that into something, right? You know, stronger. Where she's just like, well, I I was rel- you know, kind of using the. Um, the the core of that original script, like you were talking about, Alex, the fact that that is like there is a lot to work with there that is very strong, um, and like thematically, there's, there's a lot a of optimism very clear and like character it... arc that she can kind of work through. Exactly, yeah. and this one is more just like 
I don't know, just be in a scene and, like, now you're having fun with Steve and now yeah. you're, you know. Yeah, yeah. because usually the scenes that she's in, the other person has a more dynamic thing to do. It's like, yes. okay, Pedro, be really sleazy. Mm-hmm. Or Kristen, you know, be really awkward or be evil or whatever. And then and, – and Chris, be really funny. Like, they all have things to hook into. Right. And, and I don't may, – maybe Gal Gadot did as well, but it, it felt more like she was reacting to other people more than she was, like – setting it up as opposed to something like iron man i guess yeah right my read on it was it it almost felt like she was a secondary element of her own movie Mm. like it felt it felt kind of like tim burton's batman where bruce wayne is not at the forefront the focus is primarily on the villains especially in batman returns and it felt very much like that and it felt like because number one like diana's only real character arc is about letting steve go again um, yeah. and then like she doesn't have a whole lot else to work with. It's just I don't I don't know. It, it just it, it feels like they didn't have much of a sense of where they wanted to take her character, so they just kind of repeated yeah. the dramatic element that worked from the first it, movie again. It really is weird to be doing a movie set in between the main events and the flash forward the modern day like flash forward at the end of wonder woman or i guess the frame device of wonder woman right uh it is it is just so weird to set a movie in between there and try to have that be like oh oh yeah the more stuff happened like we promise it'll be interesting and affect her character well that's the weird thing of trying to fit this into what we have as the dceu because they I feel like they could have just gone with everyone knows Wonder Woman, like she's just a pop, a thing in pop yeah. culture. But they they need to have the oh she tries to stay hidden until Doomsday is a thing in Batman versus yeah. Superman. So like at the mall, she's she's destroying security cameras, and I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's how that works. They'd probably still have the yeah. footage before it got destroyed. But and also like yeah. tons of witnesses. Also tons yeah. of witnesses. And, and then at the end, like the fact that we received this message that like all this crazy magic stuff happened and, and like you get to man of steel and it's like, Oh, aliens are a thing. Like this is the first time. Hey, you guys remember that time back in 1984 when this really <laughs> weird thing happened where everyone had their everyone granted went completely insane for like eight hours. And I mean, that, that's a comic book thing. You can make fun of comic books sure. that try to have interconnected yeah. universes. But once again, to your point, to both of your points, it, it's this movie didn't have to be set in the eighties. Like, and it doesn't yeah. have to necessarily be like an in between wool, you know, yeah. just, just like, I don't know, set it in modern day, set it after whatever happens in justice league, whichever version, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also feel like to go back to my Harrison Ford comparison, this is almost like, and here's another wonder woman adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Less than it is, which I think I almost kind of like, because since there is not a, with like the MCU, each movie, even though it is like, Thor's next adventure or Spider-Man's next adventure, it has to fit into this larger framework. Right. It has to fit into the larger narrative. And so that the idea is, even if this character hasn't gone on a journey, the events of that have affected things that will ripple out. Right. Or even if the events aren't that important, the character has reached a new place so that when they interact with the rest of the characters, that'll mm-hmm. be something. And since the DCEU doesn't have that same kind of strong foundation, to my knowledge, it, I almost l- I like that they went let rather than create a whole thing that we then have to later follow up let's just have another adventure yeah let's just send wonder woman on a new adventure and and kind of dance with it that way they i I still don't like that they repeated her arc more or less but it's 
I kind of liked it rather than I don't know. I like how they just went. Here's n- more of her. That's kind of the unique thing that DC could, you know, kind of go with as they're moving forward. Is it's like, no, we're just doing like movies. We're just doing yeah. individual movies, and maybe they're sequels, maybe they're not. But we're we're, we're not relying on the interconnectedness, and I, I feel like that's a real good way to compete with Marvel. But at the same time, like your individual movies, like they they need to work. Yeah, they need to be <laughs> really strong. The, yeah. yeah. The three that I've enjoyed the most, I think, do that, which are this, Birds of Prey, and Shazam, yeah. which are all kind of, to varying degrees, connected or severed, tethered or severed from the... I was really hoping thing. you were just going to say Joker. And Joker. <laughs> well, cause, yeah, cause, uh, Joker, coming, Suicide Squad, and uh, Man of Steel. Exactly. Well, coming because coming up, the only... How edgy we you. know that they're making, obviously, Snyder Cut, and we know that um, the, the Suicide Squad is coming. And they're going to make a Wonder Woman 3, but, like, we don't... Because, like, the Robert Pattinson Batman is its own thing. Yes, it's separate. Mm. There's another Shazam, and there's another Aquaman coming. And this does, I think, also make me wonder if the movie was kind of stuck in a place where they don't know what they're going doing next because of the Snyder Cut. Well, that's the interesting thing. I remember rumors back in, like, late 2019 that this movie was having, like, huge story issues and they were trying to do reshoots to fix it and i i believe that they said like they were going to try and shoehorn in flashpoint because this Hmm. was back when the ezra miller movie like they were still cycling through director after director and it wasn't working so i remember hearing that they were going to try and shoehorn all that in here which is how we would get steve trevor to the present or bring him back i remember that being a rumor i don't know how much of that actually happened but yeah. yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, because that Flash movie, I think they just cast Michael Keaton, but they don't know if, about if their lead is going to be in it. Right. <laughs> and, I will that. say, uh, Patty and Jenkins. Black Adam. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Patty Jenkins is now going to Star Wars. He's making another Star Wars movie, which does make me wonder: is she is she tired of Warner Brothers? Because I know that she has like publicly stated. Yeah, there were pro- there was studio interference on Wonder Woman. Like she she has they messed no, wait, no. With, they messed with the third act in Wonder Woman. She has she, she actually that. said that? Yeah, she okay. said that. I I think I was actually thinking yeah. of um who is it? Who is the director of Birds of Prey? Is that Kathy Ann? Kathy yes. Ann. Yes, I think I was thinking of her publicly saying something. But yes, Patty that's Jenkins like, also has expressed frustration. That's like most of their directors. Correct. Have. Like I don't know that no, no, no. um Kathy the guy Ann, who made Shazam um, has said anything, but. He may have Sandberg. I don't know, Sandberg? but okay. but definitely David Kathy Ann. Yeah, yep. obviously Snyder, um, David Ayer, David Ayer, uh, and Patty Jenkins have all. Yeah, <laughs> James Wan hasn't said anything. No, I don't think so. And that feels like probably the most cohesive vision for any of these movies. But I also wonder if like, because I, I I wouldn't be surprised if and again I don't know anything. But I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> Kathy Ann, I think, had only made one or two like indies, mm-hmm. and so if that was like taking advantage of the yeah. of like the indie director to like here put your name on this big thing, um, but then like James Wan came into that 
he made Aquaman after he made Furious Seven and like True. a bunch of six. So maybe and, he was just able to navigate like I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, and they realize like we're getting more of a name with him and yeah, and he's uh, not gonna play ball with us in the same way. So they had to maybe there were different contract negotiations, which you would hope the same thing would happen with Patty Jenkins the second time around because they realized they had, there had to be a moment where they went we we get to keep making these movies because of Wonder Woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like. That's like that. That saved us in such a huge way. And Aquaman helped, obviously, yeah. but like and Wonder Woman like, was a the saving grace of that. E- of that even point. Snyder, which I who I, you know, I'm not convinced that like Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to be you know any better than, necessarily than what we did end up getting, but it, sure. it could be. And either way, clearly it was not what he wanted to make. Yeah, uh, and he was. I mean, I don't know what his biggest hit would have been. I I don't know if it would have been 300 or. Maybe Watchmen uh, pre. I would just, I would assume three hundred pre Man of Steel. It, it would have been either three hundred or or his Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, oh that's yeah. true. Maybe yeah. so. Watchmen, I, um, I think, was technically considered a a, a bomb or a box sure. office mm-hmm. fail. And I think and those are all R rated, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. it's like uh, I think with him, it very much was a case of like, oh, we're getting like this kind of off the wall auteur kind of yeah. director who a has a niche very specific filmmaker let's a say niche filmmaker, a real bad and boy. we're like <laughs> and we're like hey let's why don't you you know make this franchise um yeah i think there is probably a lot a lot to that that one was just like no i'm making this yeah <laughs> they're he, like okay he he, he might have Sounds come good. in with more clout look mm-hmm. you guys aren't expecting the, the aquaman movie to be any good just let me do whatever i want <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Also, I would like several hundred million dollars. Also, this would, would make a billion dollars. I would also <laughs> likely throw in the underestimation of Jenkins and Yan because they are women. Yeah, that, that potentially. Quite, but then you also have Snyder and Ayer saying, like, well, they didn't let me do the thing I wanted to yeah, do yeah. either. So. <laughs> they're not misogynists. They're just terrible. <laughs> when David Ayer had, like, definitely made successful movies, like, he directed Denzel to his second Oscar. Like, he definitely... Mm. Had had made, but but not in this type of right exactly of, of yeah Juan is definitely I think the only one who had like the direct correlating experience right. to be like I have, made, I have done I have, this thing and I've done it well yeah <laughs> I made the most well received Fast and Furious movie yeah <laughs> and I made a bunch of well received horror movies like mm-hmm. you're not you're not gonna push me around kind of thing which uh, yeah I and I like Birds of Prey but I would like to see the you know. I, w- I would be interested to know what Yan intended to do with it, yeah, yeah. and what was changed. Yeah, I, I'm curious how if if kind of if there's any kind of bleed over between kind of my complaints about that because I once again I kind of like that the least of us, even though I right. still enjoyed quite a bit of it. Um, yeah, yeah. my kind of bleed over complaints with her kind of initial vision of the movie versus right. what we ended up getting. I'm curious. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure a so, different edit would definitely help with some of it, at least. <laughs> prior to either of you watching Wonder Woman '84, I did go ahead and write down my predictions for your grades because I felt yeah. like this was an interesting one, or I was hoping I could pin you to it down. I don't know if I've gotten it right. I do um, also have estimations on what I think y'all are both grading this. Okay, so mm. you both. <laughs> I, th- well, to be fair, well, though, well. I have given you some opinions, so <laughs> I, I feel like you've 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 been given a leg up here. No, uh, no, I, I, I came up with these initially. <laughs> I know you still had, had given us your kind of initial thoughts, but I... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, 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 that's, I'm, that's what I'm saying is we had messaged yeah. beforehand. Ah, and therefore, gotcha, I, gotcha. I have colored your thinking. 
Um, Point well, is, I didn't come up with this in the I'll last 30 it. seconds. I promise. Sure. <laughs> sure. I'll allow it, but watch yourself, counselor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, grades. Do we want to first? talk about Linda Carter real quick? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> that was cute. I hated it. I will say, <laughs> I did do you think, hate it? I she winks at like the camera. Cute... I thought it was cute. I thought it was a cute. Li- here's what. I, here's my. Here's the thing I will defend about that. About that. In terms of, I'm glad that was a mid credit scene and not something they tried to shoehorn <laughs> into the movie. Of like, and True. also uh, Linda Carter. Because if Linda Carter is going to be in your movie, she needs to either be like a big character or needs to be like a Stan Lee. Oh, I, I just, yes. I disagree. I kind of, I kind of wish there had been something in in like having her actually have a substantial role in the movie because I feel like right. it could have used like a, a some interesting meta passing of the torch type oh, moment sure. maybe so instead of being like uh we need an explanation for how wonder woman got the golden armor i guess a young linda carter had it whatever <laughs> mm. now see that would have been yeah oh wait is that the idea that yeah linda carter she's, she's uh, hysteria. hysteria yeah and, and they a talk about her oh i never put that together yeah oh okay yeah I still think that, it's cute. Okay. Well, then now knowing that, <laughs> yes, it would have been cool if she had if she had been in the like. I almost wish if they I'm... had mixed the the Steve Trevor thing all together and just done a Gal Gadot and Linda Carter like team up. That would have been and, a time. and have that <laughs> be the cool. movie. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder Woman twenty forty nine. They didn't they shoot that mid credit scene like pretty late. Like, I would assume just, so. Like thrown together. I think I heard that that was like thrown together not long before the movie <laughs> was finished. Like, well, what it, you couldn't see is right before that, right when that scene started, they finished taking the temperature of all the actors on set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that that was the I weird thought it thing. Was it, it wasn't. I don't know. I, it kind of bothered me because Wonder Woman isn't there. Like she's not involved in that scene. It's not her meeting yeah. Asteria. Like Asteria is just doing a thing. Yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was I, just strange. And I then she like winks at the camera. I'm like, I still don't know what this movie is going for. I think I think that was just like a cute like. Uh, I I, I really think that was like, hey, Linda Carter's available. That would be really fun if we had a, yeah. little, a little stinger with her. I don't. I, that, I don't no, think that it's said, supposed though, to be like an, an, a, a thing to inform your analysis of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and it would be cool to have them on screen at the same time, and maybe yes. we'll get that in the third one. Yeah, but. it definitely would. Great. Yes, Tyler. What do you think? Yeah, Tyler, let's get your grade first. Wait, no, because I want you to give your grade so I can't... No, I want to prolong this as much as possible. Okay, I I don't want to get... I'm saying I don't want to give... I mean, I can give my grade. I don't want to give my predictions for... This is great podcasting. My predictions for your grades first, because I don't want to color... Oh, I see. So I I want you to say say it, and then I'll say if I was wrong or right. Scout's honor. I was never a scout. It's fine. Um, I won't change it. Uh, I, and same for you, Alex, we'll do the same thing. Um, I, uh, am going to give it a C minus. That is, that is where I'm at with it. I think it's quite flawed. Again, stylistically, I think there's something here. And that did work for me. Um, there are moments uh, we completely haven't even mentioned um, I really, really like Hans Zimmer's score for this. I think that there's a too. lot of really cool stuff. I have complaints uh, about it. <laughs> I'm sure you I, do. I it's think fun. it's big. Um, I think it's bold. I loved like in the opening with all like the women singing in it. Thought it was great. Totally I think great. it hits really well in the moments where the visuals hit, and I yeah. think that's why those stick really strongly for me. Um, 
it, I'll just get my complaints out of the way. One of the tracks is not a Hans Zimmer track. It's a temp track from the Sunshine soundtrack that is <laughs> used in all sorts of trailers. Um, it It's used, I think, right after she lets Steve go and she's learning how to fly. I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 99% sure that is not part of Hans Zimmer's score. That is a temp track from hmm. another movie. And I don't know if they left it in there as an accident. I'm guessing not. <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> but that was very odd to me. Um, I mean, people sample music all the time. Look at rappers. You know, like when a rapper will do a... a a song, but then one of their friends come in to help. <laughs> you know, like in Aquaman, in Aquaman, yeah. when uh, there's that song that sampled Africa. Yeah. Point being, well, like I in... thought it was weird that Hans Zimmer, <laughs> a Hans Zimmer score, they they did that because it, it wasn't. It, no, it, it didn't seem like it was. It was like them sampling in it and then like doing a remix on it or anything like that. It felt like they, it. It sounded to me like they just straight up took that track. Giving given this damning evidence. Has what is your grade? For Wonder Woman? My other thought was that oh, they sorry. used um, they used part of the Batman score from Batman versus Superman, um, in in the music, and I found that to be very strange. I think it's towards the end when um, Maxwell's kind of realizing the error of his ways, and it's playing the track of Beautiful Lie, um, which is the yeah. music that plays when when Bruce at the beginning of that movie when he's first falling into the the right you know the cave with the bats, and then he starts rising. I, I thought that I was a weird per- choice because thematically Maxwell Lord has nothing to do with Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I think that's. I think it's it, it's a, it's a monologue about truth. It's a, a beautiful lie. I guess. I, I think. I think that's literally what the connection was. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think they went any deeper. Than... <laughs> my my point is, I don't. I want. I question how much time Hans Zimmer had on this. Sure. <laughs> well, actually, Alex, and and just I don't want to keep kind of poking holes in your story. <laughs> But Stephen Price's score for Suicide Squad, they borrowed the House of the Rising Sun song and the Sucker for Pain song and the, uh, all the other ones. In Alex, it. what did you predict for my score and what is your score? Um, I predicted you giving it a C. So Okay, not bad. Technic- close, but not quite. I'm going to give it a D. Yes! <laughs> exactly on the money. I figured. I was I was worried you were going to go D plus or D minus, so I'm glad. No, it's just I, the movie fell completely flat for me, and I, I kind of I, – I felt bad watching it because I'm like I, – I, I, once again, going to – I don't think that they were actually lazy making the movie. Um, I just felt like they made some really off-kilter choices, um, and I, I was just kind of frustrated that, that – just like everything fell flat and it it, it didn't sure. seem like they had a, a very complete thorough vision of what they wanted to accomplish it was just a mess so britain britain are you gonna Man. poke more holes in my logic sir <laughs> no the, the suicide squad soundtrack is real bad <laughs> <laughs> i was just looking literally i was looking at the soundtrack i was scrolling through it it took the duration <laughs> Of Alex explaining his grade for me to get to the end of it. <laughs> it took, not that you talked a long time, but like that's how long, many songs are in that. Um, I give this film a B um, <laughs> because I had a lot of fun watching it. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm grading the experience more than I'm grading the actual movie. But, uh, but yeah, B. We, flat we, B. Uh, okay, flat B. 
I was going to say Skype froze for a second at the, the perfect time as you were revealing your grade. And so I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, Tyler well, and I, was... I both looked at each other like, are you serious? Oh, was there was there no sound? It cut no, out I think right as you were getting to your grade. I mean, we, oh, we got it was, to it. It was skipping. It, we're it's, good. it's fine. We're good. It's fine. So fl- okay. flat no, B, no, you said? Me. No action yeah, is flat B. I had you down for a C plus, and I figured I was going to be oh, off. I had you for uh, a B minus. Well, there you go. But uh, had you know, he said any just, of his thoughts? Everyone thinks I'm a B minus, but no, I'm A plus, dude. <laughs> All Fair. the way home. Fair. Britain minus. Um, Alex, had, was that was that free of Britain's thoughts? Yeah, well, no, I think it was after he had sent us like one or two messages where he was okay, like, oh, I'm sure. 30 minutes in. Chris Pine's great. <laughs> you, you started sending a few things. So I was like, okay, I'm probably. Yeah, I was, I, I was really like trying not to send too much, but also like it's hard not to talk to my friends. Sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we have now we have something that I could not predict, which is, uh, well, I, I don't know how, what I'm saying here. The point is, I'm very curious because Tyler also hinted that he has a recommendation this week um, <laughs> that we might make fun of him for. I, before we recorded, said that I might recommend a, a controversial movie, and uh, Alex is also on the podcast. It's like a, <laughs> and I, and it's like I a... just flat out told you both what I've seen this week. <laughs> right, exactly. It's so I'm like very a white elephant recommendation party. Yes. Uh, as, as we get into our recommendation segment. Alex, would you like to start then? Sure. And we'll build. Uh, so I, I went to the theater, actually, uh, because I had wanted to watch the taste of Wonder Woman 1984 out of my mouth, and I was like, well... <laughs> Warner well, Brothers that's your first wants... problem, Alex. You were licking the dang TV. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Warner Brothers wants to kill theaters. I'll go. I'll... AMC is going to be broken a month. I'll pay them a visit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a uh, friend of the podcast, Cecilia, and I went to the theater to see uh, a promising young woman, um, which just came out. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Um, I think it's supposed to hit streaming in like January. Okay. I think, or like rental or what have you okay um uh but it stars carrie mulligan and it's basically kind of this slightly satirical uh revenge thriller about this this lady who's getting she basically pretends to be drunk at parties and at bars um for men to kind of pick her up and for those that actually attempt to sexually assault her without her consent she um does bad things too uh the movie is uh, – it rides a fine line between between being too political and kind of too callous. I think the movie mm. is very tongue-in-cheek, which helps quite a bit. Um, Carrie Mulligan is actually like really funny in her performance. It's not, it's not a super serious film, but it does have very serious moments. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very anxiety-inducing, but it's, it's also quite good. Um, uh, Bo Burnham's in it, Tyler. So you need to see it mm-hmm. right away. No, uh, yeah. um, this movie like, has been on my radar for, but when it had a release date, uh, I think it was. In, didn't we see a trailer for that before Birds of Prey? Yes, I think so. Did we really? Um, and 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 I <laughs> had so. I had known about it before then, and I w- I saw that I was like, yeah. oh, I'm really excited. Um, be and part of that is it, I was going to ask actually, how big of a role does Bo Burnham have? Because that felt like one of those things where it could be just like a few scenes. No, he he's he's got a pretty sizable role. Awesome. Okay. Um, Christopher Mintz Plass. Oh, well. uh, uh, mm. McLovin makes makes a pretty fun mm. cameo. Um, <laughs> Allison Breeze in it for a few scenes, and she's mm-hmm. quite good, nice. obviously. Um, 
also another character from Glow is in it. Um, the guy who's who who's funding the whole show. Oh, Bash. Yes, Bash. Bash oh, has, awesome. has a couple of scenes, and he he's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was quite a bit of fun, <laughs> given how, like I said, anxiety inducing it was. Um, it's it's not afraid to go dark, but at the same time, it still kind of retains its sense of humor and kind of it, like I said, the t- the tongue in cheek uh, quality. Um, given that I've only seen like three or four films in theaters this year, this is probably the best one that I saw. Um, the only other one that would really compete would be Inception, and that's right. <laughs> a movie I've already seen. Uh, I went to the re-release for it. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite good. So Promising Young Woman, I, I highly recommend it. Also, that's awesome. Cecilia that's liked it quite a bit. So <laughs> I was going to say, I assumed that Cecilia was like vibrating the entire movie, <laughs> just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, she um, she, she enjoyed it quite even. A bit. Even more excited for this movie that I've <laughs> been waiting because I I'm uh, and we as we've discussed before uh, I do have a child and so uh, that's already a, a prohibitive uh, sure reason not to go to theaters uh, in in a, in a non-pandemic situation um, so the that is one that I will be watching uh, immediately for when it drops digitally yeah same. Uh... Tyler, is it cool if I jump in? Do it. So I, I've been, I've been trying to catch up on some 2020 movies, and so the movie I'm going to recommend is a super qualified recommendation because this is one of those movies that I 1,000 understand. I always understand that people feel differently from me, but I'll, but with, there are some movies that I'm like, I don't understand that you dislike it. I totally get why anyone would hate this movie. Um, and I watched Charlie Kaufman's new film, I'm Thinking of Ending ah, Things, okay. <laughs> which is a movie that I know Alex, of, of which Alex is not a fan, neither him nor Cecilia. I mean, I, I'm very neutral on the movie, I'll put it that way. Gotcha, sure, sure. It, it is a movie that, it's based on Ian Reed's novel of the same name, and uh, based on slash, it uses some of the stuff and then goes on its own path. It is a movie, and I actually just got the book for Christmas, so I'm excited to read that. But it, basically, the the idea is that this young woman played by Jesse Buckley is going to with her boyfriend Jesse Plemons to meet his parents, played by David Thewlis and Tony Collette. And so already the cast is broken. It's these mm-hmm. four incredible actors. Yep. And so it's about her going to meet uh, his parents, and then there's the rest of the film, <laughs> and it's incredibly bizarre. And for a good chunk of the movie, it's it's odd in a way you can't put your finger on. It's like they're having a conversation. It just feels weird. Like the way they're talking is kind of strange and the camera angles are kind of weird. There's some odd She's having thoughts in her head and sometimes it feels like Jesse Plemons is hearing them out loud and then responding to them. Right. It's it's weird. It's all over the place. And then she'll like look out of the back window randomly and it's bizarre. And the movie never really explains itself. No. But once I – after I watched the movie – I looked up, like, essentially, like, an interview with Charlie Kaufman that was... It was both an interview with Charlie Kaufman and an explanation of the movie. And I was like, oh. And I think it's brilliant. I think, what a great idea. And I... It's a movie that I I really respect, and it totally worked on me tonally, rhythmically. Um, All the performances are wonderful. I think it looks beautiful. Um, It's just super strange in a way that I can't really describe there's a dream ballet so of course i was happy um there's a part where jesse plemons just names a ton of musicals so of course i like that okay but uh it's it's 
it's a movie that, and I, and I really don't know. A, a coworker was asking if they should read the explanation before they see the movie or vice versa. And I was like, I really don't know, honestly. Cause on the one hand I was totally willing to just ride, go on this weird ride. And I'd be like, I'll learn, I'll figure it out later. I just want right. to see what you got for right. me. But I could also see someone want, kind of like when I talked about um, last Christmas, like last Christmas, mm-hmm. I do recommend finding out the twist before you watch it with this. It's like, I, I really don't know. Um, I thought it was wonderful, but uh, Charlie Kaufman made Anomalisa, which is one of my favorite movies. So I would say if you've seen that or some of his other movies that he's directed and you like them, that's a good metric. Um, I don't know what the best intro movie of his is, but because uh, I think he's only directed like three. Oh, I, I would mm-hmm. recommend probably one of the ones that he just uh, wrote and then yeah, Spike like, Jones yeah, like directed. Or... <laughs> yeah, being, Eternal Sunshine, something like that. Yeah, being John Malkovich would probably be my recommendation. Oh, yeah, uh, I gotta watch that. I, I feel like that that's a movie that very clearly is like, this is weird, but at the same time, it's oddly accessible. Like Right, sure. I don't know. It's It's a very strange yeah. combination. And I think that once you know what this movie is about, I think it makes sense and I think it really works. But uh, it's just, if you don't, I think it's just a really engaging, bizarre ride. Um, and again, I think the performances are just stellar. So I really liked it. The rest, of, a lot of other people in the world may not. Yeah. <laughs> but if if you feel like it's something you're curious about, then I definitely recommend I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah, for, for for me, I I would probably say that I wish I because I also looked up kind of what it was getting at later on. Yeah. Um, and I I just get super frustrated with movies like that where it's like there's just a wall, there's a wall right. of misunderstanding, and I have to go look at YouTube to figure it out. It's not something I can glean on my own, or or yeah. something that's per, you know purposely vague or up to your interpretation. Like no no no, there right. is a everything is done with a a specific intent. I just don't know what it is. And right. there's a fine line between over-explaining things and then kind of yes. – I don't want to say insulting your audience, but you know, having that wall and just not being willing to explain anything, um, yeah. which Charlie Kaufman loves to do. Um, he, he does. I, I, I think of it very much in the same vein as The Lighthouse um, mm. where it's this super engaging movie with these – interesting visuals and these just off the wall characters and it's like i can't wait for smarter people to talk about it so i know what it means <laughs> and I, I i don't know I, I i wish i had known the reading going into it because then i would i would have been able to be like okay that's what this means this what that, okay like like I, it would have all clicked for me while i was watching it but instead i'm yeah at the end i'm kind of left going it was kind of inner Entertaining, like I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to feel like I have to do additional research afterwards to try and piece the thing together. You know what I mean? Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very well made movie, and obviously Charlie Kaufman is a, is a master of what he does. So, yeah, it is, it is, it is somewhat impenetrable. Yes. <laughs> and that's uh, streaming on Netflix. Uh, by the way, what you got, Tyler? Uh, you mentioned that I said you you always like make fun of me for this. I don't know if it's so. So basically, <laughs> um, uh, I, I was I have also been catching up on twenty twenty movies. Um, so I watched this little movie. It didn't make it didn't make much on the box office. A uh, little mo- movie directed by a man named Christopher Nolan called Tenet. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> uh, and I really really liked it. Um, I. 
the, the first caveat right off the bat, I watched this. I had, I had the um, opportunity to watch this in like a home theater kind of setting. Um, the had access to volume subtitles. You know, like that was going to be my able... first question. Did you watch it with be, subtitles? Be, I actually didn't watch a lot of the beginning of it with subtitles. I was watching with other people, and I was going to be like, "Oh, excuse me, I, I was told it would be better to watch this with subtitles because, like, that's a weird thing to I think for people to like." get into if they're not right. used to watching movies with subtitles. Um, right. But eventually they went to bed and I was like, all right, we're doing this. Um, <laughs> but even then, like being, being able to just be like, it's a quiet place, not the movie, a quiet place, an actual quiet place uh, that I'm watching this in. I'm able to turn the volume up and like, I can process things better. Cause I'm not like listening to rustling around and people eating snacks and stuff. Like I, I can't imagine watching this in a theater, I think uh, mm. because the movie for everything that you've been told if if you have like seen reactions to it on social media or even alex i don't know if you like gave your reactions when you had watched it earlier this year on the podcast i can't remember yeah i can't um, remember either uh yeah i saw i saw it twice in the theater and i oh, i didn't realize you saw it twice. I, I don't know what christopher nolan is smoking when he's like the, the ideal way to see this is in the theater <laughs> i mean yeah. i get it in terms of the size and scale and you want to see it on a big screen he- but in terms of the the audio presentation, complete yeah. disaster. <laughs> and this is a problem that I think every Christopher Nolan movie has. Um, anytime I've ever watched any of his movies on home video, uh, ex- except for maybe like, I think I even had this problem with Memento. <laughs> uh, like, it's just, it, it, I mean, this one in particular, it's hard to understand people. But all of his movies, I think, get so loud in the action scenes. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot find an ideal volume to watch them on but if you can control the volume you know that that helps a lot um but basically the reason i'm recommending this and the reason why it really clicked for me is because i think it is the manifestation of something that christopher nolan has been working towards for a long time in the sense that i don't think he cares that much about the intricacies of like his world logic i think he wants there to be more about feeling in his movies um and i think there's been complaints people have had about his previous movies that is like working towards what he ultimately gets to here where he's like i literally you don't just don't even like try to wrap your brain around this whole thing Mm. just let it happen right um because i think if you look at you know interstellar got this a lot where the end of interstellar after it being a a very like hard sci-fi movie that it's kind of like Oh, why is the movie about love transcending everything? That's so weird. I don't, you know, this doesn't match. Um, spoilers for Interstellar, I guess, but also that's very vague. So go watch it if you haven't, because I think it's pretty good. Um, uh, going back to like, I'm trying to think what else I was thinking of as I was. Uh, Dark Knight Rises, um, I would say, is another thing here where he kind of messes with the editing so that it's not really like. The way the movie plays out, it's not logical that, uh, spoilers for Dark Knight Rises, uh, Bruce Wayne escapes at the end and he survives and he goes and lives a quiet life somewhere. Um, but the, it's like a powerful moment. And so he's just like, no, I'm going to like, comp- you know, purposely manipulate you and just kind of let that happen. I mean, um, I mean the same with the ending of Inception where, you know, people talk about how that movie ends and it's like, no, no, no. It's about the emotional impact yes. that Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's character is experiencing in that Exactly. Moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, no, that's very good. I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, the the idea of like, oh, is it you know, is it real life or is it a dream? It it doesn't matter. I mean, it there is a good, there's a very solid chance it's one or the other, but it doesn't actually matter. Um, 
and and I think that's been like a through line he's been working on. Um, even in like Dunkirk, uh, looking at kind of how he's trying to play these different plot lines together uh, to to form something that like is supposed to hit kind of like the kicks in Inception. Yeah, um, it's which plays up. into the yeah, which plays into the other thing about this movie, which is that all of his movies are obsessed with time. Yeah. Um, whether you're talking about the year stuff in Interstellar, like the galaxy uh, thing is going back and forth, where it's like, oh, we're you know on this planet because of the gravity, we're spending a hundred years every second or whatever the line is. Um, and then in uh, Inception, it's all about lining up the kicks. Dunkirk is about lining up the plot lines. Uh, Memento is like playing <laughs> two different timelines backwards or the same timeline forward and backwards. Um, so he does that stuff all the time. And this, I think, is the most, like, he has realized the vision he wants for movies where he's like, I just want to, like, mess with the timing of things. And I just want to mess with structure and play around with this and make you feel, like, completely just, I don't know, immersed or uh, completely in over your head in this world that is happening in front of you. Um, Because... There were times, especially in like the third act of this movie, and I really don't want to talk about it too much because I think if you watch it at home with subtitles and maybe maybe even like pause it every now and then just to be like, okay, okay, let that soak in. What what are, what is happening here? Um, I think uh, by the end it gets to this point where it's just so bonkers, and if you're following along because you know you didn't watch it in theater with people talking or whatever you know making it impossible to understand anything because everyone in this movie has some sort of accent that like makes it a little bit harder to understand their voice either that or they have a face mask on for most of their or or face (laughs) mask yes um but uh there are moments in the end of this movie where i was just grinning ear to ear because i was just like this is insane where where was this man nolan you've you've been holding back this is just like nonsense and i love it um i'm not saying that like i i feel like this is his most and i haven't seen um following or insomnia i haven't seen his first two and i i want to try and knock him out because I, I had a goal to watch all of his uh by the end of the year i think i had i had recently rewatched insomnia i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast and i liked it a mm-hmm. lot more the second time so i, I do recommend insomnia as well okay um yeah i need to i need to knock those out but Excluding those, I think since he really became like a big time filmmaker, this might be his like most auteur film because it is it is weird. Like it is it is purposefully. I mean, like you said, Britain about um, thinking of ending ending things. It's impenetrable. Like it is it is hard to understand exactly what's happening, and I think he's he's done it that way because he really wants you to focus on like the characters, the emotion what's going on the 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 zany action that sometimes just gets like so all over the place and i mean maybe like i definitely would say wait for it to go to rental because i don't know that everyone's going to like this movie even with subtitles and everything um but for me i was really pleased because i felt like he was finally loosening up a little <laughs> um, it was it was fun to watch you, I, you wanted I, him to go full nolan <laughs> yes yes i did um i'm not saying that uh, you know, he's he's inching towards getting into like weird art films, but I am saying that maybe he was he was walking around Hollywood one day and 
he heard a voice say, Hey, Christopher, I, I, I have some of the good stuff. Would you like it? <laughs> like, it, it feels like it feels more flexible and more like the movie is actively trying to discourage you from understanding everything about the, the mechanics and wants you to just like go on this crazy ride. Um, which is not a thing that I feel like I've gotten from previous Nolan movies. Uh, and I feel like when it has happened, like we, like this stuff, you know, the end of interstellar maybe or stuff like that. Sometimes it does feel totally dissonant. Um, and so this one for me, at least being able to, to watch it in a scenario where I felt like I was able to process it as it was going along and like really get everything I needed to get out of it. Um, I felt like it was, it was really effective and, and kind of surprising to me. Um, so yeah, hardy recommend. Like I said, I I wouldn't pay to, to buy it yet. I think next week it's supposed to come to rental. Oh, um, cool. I just happened to be with somebody who had already bought it, um, so I was able to watch it with them. But uh, I would recommend waiting for that, and I think it's it's worth a shot if if you if that intrigues you at all. If it intrigues nice. you to see Nolan getting fast and loose. <laughs> yeah, I it, it's. I'll just say this about Tenet, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I do want to watch it again, because I, I feel like I, I'm still not quite sure where I land on it. It is interesting seeing how Nolan has improved on how he does action scenes mm-hmm. over the years. Because, like, I want this Nolan directing the action scenes in Dark Knight Rises. Mm. Sure. Like, with, with, with the thousands of cops and mercenaries fighting in the streets, and of course you yeah. go back and look, and there's... You know, some goofy choreography. Not all the extras are like fully committing to it. It's a little silly. Um, so I, there's some crazy stuff in the third act of Tenet. Like mm-hmm. it goes nuts <laughs> in in the best possible way. So yes. uh, on that basis, I, I totally agree. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, then I may need to rent it once once that becomes available, so I can I can check that out. Yeah. Uh, this is since it's technically our New Year's episode. Um, I'll just mention I I. I'm not. I don't know that we will have the occasion like we did uh, previously to do like our best of the year. I don't know that there's going to be a movie that will tie in with all of that the way the Joker did. Um, mm-hmm. My my deadline for my best of is always like the end of the Oscar season because so many movies that I want to see don't become available to me until January usually. Right. Um, they, they they get released. They're just not. I don't get to see them, especially this year. So when do they announce the? Uh... The Academy Award nominations? I don't know. I think the ceremony's in April. I was gonna say can, this year. We gotta get something stupid for New Mutants. We gotta we gotta get some right? best sound editing. Do, just do anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. The nominees are Tenet, Sound of Metal. I, I, and... I'm, not, I'm not saying best sound editing is a stupid award. That's not what I'm saying. I'm no, saying no, 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 something no, completely off kilter that you would not expect to be applied to new mutants. <laughs> exactly. It's new mutants, sound of metal, and tenet. There's gotta be there's gotta be some weird like nominations that are going to come out this year just because of the like the pool is so small it's going to be weird it's also what i'm hoping that means is that movies that would be ignored in other years will get recognized mm-hmm. i do think there's going to be even more of a push for diversity than usual we'll see what happens with that um so far like the early like critics awards and stuff have all been pretty interesting to me promising young woman has actually been showing up a lot i'm thinking of ending things a little bit um so you know we'll see Eventually, I'll see Minari, and then we'll do an episode where I just talk about that the whole time, probably. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so I'll 
I'll, I'll do my, and I'm, y'all are, of course, welcome. We, we might give you our best ofs later. It probably won't be as comprehensive as this past year because I don't know that we're going to have a Joker-type movie where we can go, <laughs> oh, well, this is in our purview, and also it's the it's a big Oscar player, so let's yeah, just kind of... involved, yeah. I don't know that we'll have that, but... Well, yeah, I, well, yeah. I, I don't even know, like... I would have to look at a list of all the movies because yeah. I, I really haven't watched that much new stuff. Like I haven't seen sure. Like I know Mank was a big one that that came out yeah, recently. It's like yeah, yeah. I don't have Netflix, and even still, I don't know. Like I like David Fincher, yeah. but that doesn't. I don't know if that would necessarily interest me. Um, yeah, I would say Walk Don't Run. <laughs> did, did, did the did the Josh Trank Capone movie come out this year technically, or is that twenty nineteen? Probably. I think it is. Yeah, it's on Amazon. I don't think that's gonna be. A... Yeah, <laughs> Josh Trank's comeback. <laughs> also nominated for sound editing. <laughs> huh? Weird. Having a Trank yeah, back so, over so... here. My, I'm just oh, looking boy. at my my list. Of, I've watched like. I've actually watched a decent. I've watched like ten or eleven movies from the past from twenty twenty, yeah. um, and these include Enola Holmes and sure. The Croods, A New Age, <laughs> uh, and, and and The Way Back, of course. Oh, of well, naturally. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I think eighteen movies as of finishing Wonder Woman. Look, this I year. I technically saw Parasite in a the theater in twenty twenty. So. There you go. go. That can be. It can win Best Picture again. That's fine. (laughs) That'd be great. I think I do have like a top eight right now. I don't know if I I just watched a movie. I'm not sure where if it'll is is number eight. The Crudes, The New Age. No, dude, number four. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's right after uh, Trolls World Tour (laughs) and Scoob, of course, Scoob. Uh, but yeah, but next week we are going back to the Muppets mm-hmm. for uh, set and sail on the big blue wet thing with Muppet Treasure Island. Um, I see that that joke will make sense when you watch the movie. Okay. I was just okay, th- Alex? no, I was thinking like, could Scoob potentially be nominated for best animated movie? Absolutely, it could potentially be. nominated. I think it will. There are I three Scooby Doo movies. That's all I'm saying. Tyler, sign us off. Many times I have said this to you too. I don't want to watch Scoob. No, no, no. Because uh, it's funny because because here comes that sequels. implies that you do want to watch the two live action. Ones. I do. I really I do. Actually, would no, love to do yes. that. Um, uh, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at hcgsequels. Uh, you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, under here come the sequels. Uh, yeah, we're around. Happy New Year! Uh, if you are listening to this in the New Year, um, it is not the New Year for us. We have not escaped 2020 yet. We'll see. We'll see y'all on the other side. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get no time to die. <laughs> maybe, sweetie. Maybe. <laughs> At this point. You'll have something for you'll have your you have your best movie of 2021 all picked out. <laughs> it was just waiting. Look, it, look I'm not going to say they, tomorrow they, it it's going to be announced want... that it got pushed back another year, but <laughs> well, let's not assume that Warner Brothers is going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I think that they just knew that they didn't want No Time to Die to overshadow Scoob, so sure, we'll all just take in Scoob and appreciate it. Uh, so. 
I am the 2020 version of Britain. <laughs> sealing myself in my chrysalis to be reborn. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm just imagining a world in which, in which they just nominate No Time to Die for sound editing. <laughs> it's just like I don't know, man. We we ran out well, of nominees. It. Oh, it's probably know. gonna be fine. The sound mixing on the trailer was fantastic, so we just yeah. thought. <laughs> we figured. It doesn't seem too preposterous. I've been I think Alex. There is... <laughs> I've been Tyler, and you're having a happy New Year.